0: Hey, Omar, how you doing? Sawyer. We already have a caller. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, I finished listening to the try to catch up, but like the YouTube, I have to wait for them to publish it because I, I had a phone call during the earnings call that I had to take. So I missed a little bit in the middle, but I can't play it back. YouTube is screwing me. <laughs> yeah I, I liked on uh,
1: on say that as they're going through the questions they mark them as answered on there and then later they post a transcript of the answer on there it's kind of nice and uh, if anyone that doesn't know you can go to say technologies.com and go to like any of um or almost any of uh, tesla's previous like earnings releases or earnings calls as you say and you can go and look at all the uh, questions they've answered through there and all the past like answers to each individual question
2: super helpful
0: Yeah, be sure to ping everybody into the room. I just pinged like our subscribers and the followers. And we're just waiting for people to fill out the room and start talking about uh, one hell of an earnings call that has a shit ton of things to unpack, I think.
3: Yeah, definitely. This was a turning point, I think for the company
0: and uh, for the financials. Yeah. And big surprises. I I think some people are going to be disappointed with some of the things I said. I I, I think once they think about it from company's perspective and the financially, and it'll, it'll make more sense, but yeah. uh, Also optimists like, damn, I didn't think it was going to be this fast that they were going to be talking about Optimus again. Okay, if people want to join us on stage, uh, I see K10 joined us. Um, Oh, can you make me a mod, uh, Omar? Invite a few people. Oh, we already got callers. Okay, so as I, well, let's take a few callers as we, oh, there, Omar, Omar did it, all right. Ryan, hey guys, what's up? I, uh, I just sent, invite Gary, come and join us. Oh, Gary Black, calling you out, come and join us, lots to unpack. I'm sure you have a great take on this. What's
3: your take on, like, Ryan? Just hit the little button yep. at the top of the screen or something.
0: Yeah, you should have a... Uh, Sometimes you
4: have to repeat the invite because it d- kind of goes away.
0: Yeah, it's top right, Gary. Ryan, what's up?
5: Hey, guys. Yeah, I don't know how to feel. Obviously, the financials mm. are awesome. The I mean, the big thing that consumers probably won't talk about as much is, like, the fact that Tesla finally is a over its entirety is profitable. So I'm super stoked on that. But, uh, yeah, like, from a product standpoint, I'm, like, medium excited, but I think we as a community, maybe, or at least I had gotten overly hyped, hoping for more of a, up with sooner deadlines. I don't know. I don't know how to feel
0: after this. And what particular thing are you, are you bummed about?
5: I mean, like Cybertruck being pushed, uh, Giga Berlin, not quite getting 4680s yet. Uh, no mention of Roadster. Uh, and then finally FSD kind of the same promise that we've heard before of like FSD is coming later this year, and obviously FSD beta, and like there have been incremental improvements, major numbers of vehicles that currently have FSD beta, but to me, until Tesla starts to actually make a way so you can monetize FSD, it's not there, and this feels like the same kind of promise that we've gotten consistently in in some ways. So I'm excited for everything they're working on, but I think the, the promise of a roadmap feels like it wasn't fully met, or at least my hopes and expectations weren't
1: yeah i would somewhat agree with that you know i was asking myself towards the end of the call you know like why did elon feel like he needed to be on this call because i feel like all the updates he provided probably could have just been done by tesla management.
6: yeah i kind of feel the same and and then it was interesting like they didn't touch up on anything like you were stating earlier it just seemed like kind of the similar and there was people that seemed frustrated with it like kilowatts
3: I mean, I think that's exactly the reason why he wanted to come on. He wanted to come on and deliver hard news himself rather than having, you know, pawning it off to Zach or Drew or something like that. And the reality is there is just a supply chain shit show right now. And probably the best thing they can do is really try and manage what's on their plate. So, I think really the 4680Y is their primary focus right now. And ramping that in Austin, which I think is huge, that they're going to deliver the first vehicles this quarter and then bringing it to Berlin later this year is hugely significant. If they can pull that off at scale and they can get close to 100 gigawatt hours of uh, their production goal, then they can do Cybertruck, then they can do Roadster then they can really ramp semi beyond the, f- the few kind of initial units they've been trialing with some customers. It just really wouldn't make sense. I think to launch these vehicles with 2170 and in the case of uh cyber I don't even know if it would be possible. So yeah, it's disappointing, but they're taking this time because they want to make the products good. And I think the level of, uh, of focus is good for investors and, Really, ultimately, the goal is let's maximize the units. We have this golden opportunity here where the rest of the industry is shrinking. And if they can really increase their production output and get into millions of cars, I mean, they, they're they already doing 1.25 million today with Fremont and Shanghai. That means they can get to 1.5 million and beyond just with Fremont and Shanghai and the increase in capacity this year. And what Austin and Berlin do, that's just uh, a bonus. Hey Gary, uh, you made it on stage. What were your thoughts on the earnings?
7: Okay. Well, it was disappointing to me. Um, I guess look, the, the, the things that were good were Elon saying that volumes would be comfortably higher than fifty percent growth, which was good. Um, Zach, I'm sure he was kicking them under the table, and you know he 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 had a negative comment, which was that. Um, gross margins would probably be lower next year because of the ramp ups of two two factories. So I think it was 29 two X uh, credits for fourth quarter. I know the streets at about 27 four for next year. So we don't know because they didn't give an exact number, but you know, people walked away saying, okay, it's probably better than 50% growth. And they said, you know, without, um, uh, without any new plants, with just Shanghai and Fremont, you can get to fifty percent. That was Zach's comment. So that was good. Um, I think no new products. That was a disappointment, people. And in particular, you know, Elon just, you know, punted Tony's question, which is the one every institutional PM wants to know from a demand standpoint. Tell me how you get to, you know, uh, let's call it two and a half million units next year, three something million units, twenty four by product line and you know elon thinks in terms of production and what every institutional portfolio manager wants to know is well tell me from a demand standpoint how to get there and so by just kind of blowing off tony and saying well it's all fsd and you know you're i can't remember the wording he used but he he kind of blew him off (laughs) he was blowing off every institutional pm who always asked me the same questions and that's that was just rude and you know that's just the way elon does things i think the whole fsd issue it's like just trust me even though when you look at take rates like you can look at troy's numbers they were 13 uh, globally in the fourth quarter of uh 20 and they dropped to seven the take rate or the adoption rate whatever you want to call it globally and even in the us it it dropped by about um 40 percent of course they raised the price so that's a good question but you know he, he didn't address it and i think you know where i netted out is if you take the 254 they earned and you add back that $300 million of, it was kind of like a one-time payroll tax, which again, Zach should have called it out. And I talked to IR afterward, as I was just on the phone. They said, yeah, we don't, we don't exclude that. So you can add that back to come up with a recurring number. That's about 280. Okay, multiply that times four and assume, okay, you got 50% volume growth next year, 22, but you got a lower gross margin. You know, they should be at about $11 in earnings. And the street rate right now is 950. So I think from a math standpoint, it was good, but the quality of the earnings called, you know, I, and I just listened to what you said, Omar, it wasn't great. And Elon shouldn't have been so, um, I guess, rude to Tony, I guess, is my only thought because that was, was a good question. So,
0: Yeah, I, I I had the same take about the how do you get the growth without the 25K car, but on the flip side, maybe that's what they're figuring is that they can sell all Model wise.
7: That's instead fine. of
0: and with yeah. better margins than introduce right now at risk like a and, 25k car which probably would have let's let's be honest it would probably wouldn't be 25k it'd be 30k and the margins wouldn't be as good so yeah. by going slowly and but again to hit back on things that you mentioned uh, the fact that they can they expect that they can do 50% growth next year just with Fremont and Shanghai that blew my mind when i heard it and then to have Giga Texas and Giga uh, Austin, uh, Berlin and uh, Austin going at the same time, ramping, this is where I think we get to the comfortable 50%. And we know these are model-wise.
7: Yeah, look, at the end of the day, the comfortably above 50% growth, and then Zach kind of seconded it by saying we can get there without Berlin and Austin. Those are powerful statements. And so at the end of the day, I think that's what people are going to get. And you sort through all the other stuff, you know, no, no, no Cybertruck for 23, no compact, you know, definitely or for the near term. I think that's all fine. I just look, if, if you're an analyst like me or a portfolio manager, you want some meat and you want some proof. And what Elon's saying is, hey, you're just going to have to trust me on this, that FSD is going to blow yeah. people away. And that look, if you're talking to a, a Fidelity PM, that, that doesn't go over well. You got to give them you know, some kind of proof. And that, that was the challenge with the call, I think. And that's what the stock's not doing. I mean, it jumped up to 970 when Elon said, come no to model the two. above. Yes. And then when Zach said, you know, we're going to have gross margin decrement because it was to drop right back down. And Elon had a chance to save it at the end, but he just, he just didn't do it.
0: So. Yeah, and why are we saying Cybertruck nothing in 2023? It's nothing in 2022.
7: And 2022. And, and I get the argument. The argument makes perfect sense to me. That you know he would actually have lower volume if they had to ramp up, you know, a brand new product that you know they're still trying to get the cost down, and you know it's it's a new form factor. So I get I get the argument. I'm I'm not opposed to waiting until 2023. I just don't like conference calls where they don't give a lot of detail. They just literally, mm-hmm. Elon said, trust me. You know, and that, yeah. that's the challenge.
3: <laughs> well, I think that on the question of Tony's, you know, Tony he knew what the answer to his question was and we all know what the answer to his question i think it's steve jobs who famously said you know if your numbers are good you want to talk about them so yeah, yeah. if you're not if you're not talking about them it means it's not good and you know you can just think about this logically you've got an order page up for a, a 45,000 50,000 dollar car and you know which some people are going to buy they're going to be stretching their budget a little bit to buy it maybe telling themselves, okay, well, I'll save on gas. And then you've got an options package that is $12,000, which, by the way, the free basic autopilot that comes with the car, I've been using it this week on this Hertz rental. It's amazing. It's pretty good. Yeah, Yeah. It's very good. So how many people are going to buy it? No. But I think Elon was also right in saying, look, that's not the right way to look at it. Yeah, the take rate is low, of course, and it's going to be low. But they're not trying to get everybody in the world using FSD beta at this point. It's just not ready for that. He can see where it's going, but, you know, he made a, com- a comment on the earnings call. We'll come up with whatever pricing model, you know, makes sense. And every car is going to have FSD, really. The take rate is going to be 100%, whether you charge per mile or for the service or whatever. I mean, we're all customers looking at this today, but uh, Elon's thinking very much in the Ford uh in the future. And I think that they're exactly right. I mean, just if you look at the margins on the software, it's going to start to become a substantial portion of the overall earnings per car very quickly, just based off the fact that, you know, I think they said in their shareholder deck, it's going to accelerate our margins or something like that. And this is very real and it's key. And this is not something that we have to wait until autonomy to realize. This quarter, more people are going to buy and subscribe to FSD to try FSD beta and next quarter, even more and more after that. And it, it's really going to be kind of an exponential function when driverless is approved, it takes off to another level, but they've already started capitalizing on it today in a big way.
7: And I think we're going to start to see the
3: effect of that in a
7: uh, in- Here's the challenge. Omar. And I, I, I honestly want to know the answer to this. Elon and I agree with him. Says everybody's going to have, you know, some form of FSD. You know, some some competitors will work better than others. But at some point, you know, to be in the space, you know, a car is going to have to have full software. Just like you know, automatic transmissions change the way um, you know people thought about driving. And 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 Elon even made fun of. It. He said, "Well, this isn't just some other feature." Well, if everybody has full self-driving, and this is where the debate gets in, why would Tesla have that much of an advantage versus everybody else if everybody's got it? That's the question I have. And that's the question Tony has. Now, Tony's a bear and I'm a bull, but I just, I, I'd like to know the answer to that. Right, yeah. So I think that the key thing to
3: appreciate here is, This is not something that requires a winner take all situation. It could kind of gravitate to that just because people don't want to use the second best. But really, what we're looking here is a fundamental kind of redefinition of the business model where you're going from, you know, average selling price times gross margin equals gross profit to really something more like, you know, miles traveled times. Average profit per mile uh, that sort of thing, so really, all the models that people are using to value the business and really what the potential lifetime earnings that Tesla can generate from a car is going to go up dramatically as uh, as the software evolves and it's not going to be a Tesla only, only thing it's going to be an industry-wide thing, and many others will benefit from it as well. but right now they have the biggest fleet in the world of cars that are running the software at 60,000 in the United States. The next closest I think is Waymo and they've got, I think 700 cars. Let's assume they've Mm -hmm. doubled that since the last time I checked and it's at 1400 Tesla's just miles ahead. And with these factories in Berlin and Austin, this is what's really key. They are leading on this. Of course, eventually it'll be commoditized when you talk about 10 years down the line. But in this decade, there's going to be massive differences between what different cars can do. And you can already look at the market today. Nobody else can do what Tesla can. And this is just going to, the gap's just going to widen. Nobody else is coming close to putting these features in their there.
0: Sorry, sorry. Just to add to the point, I think Andre put it best in a tweet recently, everybody gangsta until real world deployment and production. Like this is everybody's going to have it, but nobody's actually doing it now except Tesla. So uh, until they they're actually in production and deploying it, it's all big words from the competition that everybody's going to have it. But, yeah, uh, I, I don't see that happening as smoothly as people
7: imagine. Yeah. My challenge is the math. Okay, so we could argue that, you know, it's moving from a hardware model to a subscription model. But, let's assume you know there are at least five or six competitors that have it. Maybe there's not all of them you know how much can you charge per month extra versus you know when when people model today, they take twelve thousand dollars, they assume some take rate and they add it to the you know the e v revenue okay so instead of doing that, maybe you're gonna charge I don't know hundred dollars a month you know, and you know you you gotta assume some take rate, maybe it's forty percent maybe it's fifty percent. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't. <laughs> I, I don't know how it changes the math of the number of deliveries if five or six players, let's say in 2024, 2025, have an equivalent, let's call it FSD package. I don't, I mean, there's no competitive advantage to Tesla if there's five or six players. It almost becomes a cost of entry. Everybody has to have it or they can't compete. Just like on an iPhone, you have to have a, you know, a really, really good camera. You can't, you can't sell your phone, right? I'm just wondering if everybody has the same, How do you what's the comparative advantage that allows you to get to three or four million units? You know, that's that's what I'm trying to figure out.
0: Yeah, it's it's a valid question, but I think people are underestimating, like when we're saying 2024, 2025, like four or five competitors are going to have it. I, I, I don't see that happening at okay. scale with uh, the, the way Tesla has been driving this for, for so long and the challenges they've met and overcome. And they've been quite open about how many times they've rewritten the whole stack and how they're progressing. And if 2022 is the year, let's say Elon, because of course, Elon has been saying to to, to paraphrase Ryan earlier, uh, he's been saying that for a long time, <laughs> but as time As the product gets better and gets deployed, uh, Elon's statements are getting more and more like seated on on, like real world like facts. You know what I mean? It's, It's not like there's nothing being done and we're really, really close. It's it's they've been progressing. So when he says 2022, he might be wrong. It might be 2023, but we're we're probably very close to it. Uh, because he he's seen like the the curve and the progress and everything so i don't see others coming with that so soon and and as for revenue the way he was talking about it it could be at some point that you don't even buy it you just basically pay per mile like he said like a 10 a 10 mile run two bucks cheaper than a bus so you don't maybe don't have to buy the package they just take like like Fifty cents or seventy-five cents on each ride, uh, and you know this is might be their revenue model. I don't think they've decided. Uh, they still haven't decided on which revenue model. Right now, they're selling it. They're uh, not uh, um, uh, declaring all the revenues from FSD. And uh, but in the future, when it's approved by regulators and there are robo taxis, how does the the cost the the pricing structure? Uh, unfolds like i think nobody has an idea even elon i don't think he knows for sure yeah he ha- has to be figured out but uh, on another note because i'm i'm my mind is like racing on everything i heard the fact that they'll they will be announcing new factories in 2022 this means in my mind at least that we're looking at uh mid 2024 maybe new factories in operation in the world because yeah. it takes about 18 months So they're projecting not only the growth that they're saying comfortable 50% this year, and 50% can be met only with Fremont and Shanghai. They have the growth from Berlin, which is just phase one, and Texas. But now they're already looking at other sites, other factories, and they're going to be announced this year, very likely.
7: Yeah, And I think that's
0: very exciting. And I think that's
3: the key. That's really what this earnings call was about. Like, in one word... There's the argument, the competition's coming, right? And oh, there's all these EVs and they're so great. And you know what? People might actually want this more than a Tesla, is the argument they're making. But all of that kind of falls flat if you're not producing enough. And Tesla is laser focused on just ramping production like crazy. At a time when the rest of the industry is shrinking, they're ramping production. And that focus, on just ramping production as much as possible, putting all the engineers on that, is why they're only doing 4680Y this year, and pushing all the other products to next year, because they want to be supreme on that. So while it's a little disappointing, you know, F-150 Lightning, they say, is going to get out sometime in the spring, and Cybertruck's not going to be out until sometime in 2023, at least. So that's kind of disappointing, but Then you look at Ford's production numbers, and they said 80,000 between now and 2024. And I think they even doubled that to uh, maybe 160,000 between now and 2024. So maybe they're going to make, you know, 10,000, 20,000 units this year, if they're lucky. Uh, And Tesla's saying, you know, they want to ramp to something on the order of at least 250,000 units in the first phase. So If they can just produce more units than the other people, they'll outsell them just on that basis. And if they can do that, then they have a huge advantage in actually having a ride-juring network that people want to use because you you want to have low wait times. And how do you have low, low wait times without a lot of cars? And how do you have a lot of cars without a lot of production? So the production is really central to everything that's happening and the whole story here.
0: Oh, by the way, I, I, we we should take a few callers. We have Gary Black. Maybe people have questions for him. So, uh, Ricky, you're up.
8: Thanks, guys. Um, I'm, I'm going to premise this. Probably it's been said a thousand times, but it actually made me think of it tonight when you guys were just talking about the price of FSD. My question is, what is your what are you willing to pay for a smartphone when the first smartphone first came out? I I remember thinking back to this point where it was like, I'm not going to pay $500 for a phone. It's not going to happen. As as a matter of fact, I think I waited almost two to three years to get my first smartphone. And does that change the definition of what we are willing to pay for a car if in the future FSD is all the app revenue? So uh, if you understand my premise, in the future is like the average person is not going to pay $25,000 Twenty-five to $30,000 for a car, they're going to want to pay fifty to $70,000 for a car because they're not going to... It, how we used to think of an iPhone before it had all the app services. In other words, could you go back to that point and say, I know what Apple's going to be worth because we all know that apps are going to happen in the future. No, I don't think you could.
7: But you know at the phone... The phone is the product, right? And there's yeah. features. There's features that go with the phone, but the phone is the basic product. The car is the basic product. And look, you guys can disagree with me, but to me, self-driving is a feature. And you may say no, it's a product in, of itself. But if if everybody has it, or not everybody, but a lot of people have it, is it worth I don't know a hundred dollars more a month, two hundred dollars more a month? That that's that's the struggle I have. That yeah, I get his point that it's five times more valuable if you want to rent it out 12 hours a day. But very few people are going to let their cars go drive around. And I don't know. I don't think I would do that. I don't let my house out when I'm not there. I, I just don't know if I'm going to let my car go, you know, make money for me when I'm at work or sleeping or whatever. Maybe I will. But I just I just find it hard to to. And again, Elon's brilliant. He looks out 10 years. We're looking out, you know, to next week. But I just don't. I don't know if you can add that much value in Omar so this to a $40,000 Model 3 can you add 10,000 if it self drives 20,000 I can't I, I can't see that but that's me
0: Yeah but there's I I think Ricky makes a, a fair point here and we don't have to look at like all the cars will be necessarily sold to customers that want to actually put it uh Elon I think mentioned I don't remember if it was AI day or I think it was autonomy day that at some point they, Tesla could put their own fleets in certain uh, specific uh, markets, uh, cities mm-hmm. to like supplement. And this is this is where okay, they're not making the revenue on the car uh, at, at, for sale, but then for the million miles that it's driving as a robo taxi, that mm-hmm. is all the money going to Tesla. So they're basically putting it on the network, charging you two bucks to do ten miles, and that's you know minus the electricity. Is, is basically going to, to Tesla's bottom line. Yeah. So in like, that sense, I think it's fair what, what Ricky is saying. Go ahead. I think that
3: you know, it really requires you to kind of rethink everything you know once you start to think about it. And I think they've kind of done the pricing in kind of a dramatic way that is kind of provocative by putting a vehicle – lifetime cost for the service on the order page because really if you look at anything like this it's going to be a lot like you know imagine if they put all your tire changes for the life of the vehicle on the order page or they put all of the insurance it would be thousands of dollars as well but nobody really looks at costs this way so i think really what they're doing is they're moving towards you know other other forms of pricing over time and you think about really the immense value of this. Okay, you're you're paying maybe, let's say, $10,000 for insurance over five years. And you have an FSD package that's $10,000. Well, if this package really lives up to its promise of never getting into an accident, reducing the amount of accidents you get in, and maybe even potentially eliminating the need for you to have insurance, because they assume liability and that's actually included in the cost. And they just kind of, you know, get some insurance downstream to handle the liability for that. Now we're looking at, well, this is an easy calculus. If I don't have to buy insurance, if I don't have to maybe pay registration, some of these other costs, when you start to really think about what it would mean if this is fulfilled, there's an immense amount of value. Like when you talk about the FSD package, you're talking about all the value it's going to have for the life of this car, not just – today, but five years down the line, maybe even 10 years down the line, and what the software and the service is going to be capable
7: of. Yeah, Omar, what do you think, let's suppose, because you're an FSD beta driver, let's suppose FSD gets to level four, you know, with very few interventions by, let's just call it by the end of the year, and they start selling FSD nationally, okay, making it available to everybody nationally. You know, you you buy it and you immediately get. it. What do you think the take rate goes to if it, let's say it's 10% today?
3: Well, I think the take rate inevitably will hit 100% at $12,000. Well, it just it's a just month? a matter of time of when they want to turn it on. You see right now Tesla is controlling the take rate. And Think of it like a water faucet, right? They have all these cars that could run this software, but they're not ready to turn that water faucet on and let that water, you know, gush and flow across their 2 million cars around the world. It's going to be even more by the time they launch because the software is in an early stage. They're testing it. They're refining it. 60,000 people, that's impressive. Nobody has ever, ever done a deployment of a fleet of cars running self-driving software of this size. We're talking, you know, 10 times bigger, right? Almost nine times bigger. So this is a huge achievement just with what they've done. And they know that a lot of people are going to want to buy this because you can't get a self-driving car anywhere else in the United States. You can't buy a car that can try as crappy as it is to make a full journey by itself. They're the only one, and they know people are going inter- to be interested in it, and that's why they've kind of you know set this high price to limit how many people can go on. But once they want to turn on that water faucet, the take rate goes up to essentially 100% where you can buy if you want to, but almost nobody will do that. And you can s- subscribe if you want to, but only some people will do that. Every single person will just be able to do do turn on autopilot or FSD anytime they want anybody who has a Tesla, it'll be activated on every single car and they'll just charge you a dollar a mile or something like that. And they'll just charge your card on file and they'll say, okay, we're giving out, you know, you know, if they want to say, Hey, we'll give out free trials. We will, um, you know, let you try it. There's no cost to them doing that, to letting you try it for a day or a month or whatever. And when they re- when they decide, Okay, the software is ready. You're exactly right. At some point this year, it's going to go out of limited beta to where there's a safety score. And it's going to be something that just comes with every Tesla that has FSD. And then eventually just every Tesla. Just like basic autopilot used to be something you pay for. Now it just comes with every car. And yeah, that that is going to be basically the situation. It's going to be on every single car. They're going to tweak the pricing so that they have a way to pay for it. But every single person will use it when they are ready for people to use it. They could give it to everybody right now, but it would ultimately set the project back because of where it is today. So when they're ready to turn up that faucet, you multiply basically the entire user base uh, by you know whatever the average value is. And it, it's, it, what people have tried it, and are into this sort of thing and don't mind the early bugginess of it have realized is that it's addictive. Once they get it going and it works really well and people are already saying today, it's starting to be really usable and you don't want to drive a car again that doesn't have it. Um, You want to have a car and it's going to be very sticky for Tesla. It's going to be something that once people try, okay, you know, I'll give it a shot once that they realize, you know what? I actually like this a lot and it's actually bringing a lot of value to my life. And it's really hard for people to understand this right now. But I think in the coming years, especially this year, as it comes out of beta, it start to, it's going to start to become clear. And people are going to start to have a better imagination for what's happening in the future.
7: Hey, I'll, I'll shut up. I just agree with everything you say except the price. I think if you give it to people for free, they'll use it. And it gives Tesla competitive advantage, at least for now. But at a dollar a mile. That's you know fifteen thousand dollars a year. That's twelve hundred a month. Your take rate will be under ten percent at that type of a price. If you give it to me for free or even very cheap, like ten cents a mile, then you're right. You can get, you know, take it, but not at not at,
0: yeah, but not like, at a
7: dollar a mile.
0: <laughs> I no think Elon hinted out. off the top of his head it was like twenty cents a mile. Okay, because so. he said ten miles two bucks. Well, no, eighteen
3: cents a mile would be what it costs to run your own car. I'm not necessarily commenting on what I think the pricing is going to be. I think they're going to make pricing Mm -hmm. that makes sense. But I think that people would pay a lot for it. Like, you know, let's say you're just on your on the freeway, you're driving and, you know, you've got something that is 20 miles away or something. And the car says, hey, I'll drive you there. And you can actually go on your phone. You can watch a movie. You can play a game. You can read a book. And that'll be five bucks. If you didn't buy it up front with your car and just package it in. You can do it just on this ride for five bucks or whatever. Yeah. A lot of people will kind of take up that offer the same way that people buy Ubers for $5 to do that same kind of trip. So I think not only that, but it becomes a whole platform, right? So now you've got them using this self-driving service. Now you can sell them maybe a movie or a game, an app, right? Like we didn't see First of all, that the iPhone would go from being something that really was a $199 product, subsidized, or, you know, people used to get cell phones, flip phones that were subsidized to free. And now we're up to iPhones that are $1,000. The value of all those cloud services you subscribe to, sir, uh, you know, iCloud, storage, all these things, then all the platform applications built on top of the iPhone. And Apple gets a 30% cut of that it's way larger than any of us could have imagined at the time. And it's kind of a similar situation here. I think.
0: Okay. So let's take a few callers because they've been really patient. Uh, Noah, you're up.
9: Yeah. Hey guys, how's it going? I um, just want to bounce a couple thoughts I had off of, uh, off you guys, you know, things that I thought, I'm sure I'm not the only one um, during the call. I feel like the, obviously the financial news is really good. Um, you know, for investors and for the company. I mean, I feel like Tesla's headed in, in, on a great course, you know, pretty much no matter how which way you look at it. Um, but in terms of, you know, what people were expecting from this earnings call, I think Elon made it pretty clear in the past that he's not going to come on earnings calls anymore unless there's something significant to share. And so because of that, I think that people got kind of, you know, excited. And, you know, with the Cybertruck being in Texas, people started to, let their imaginations run wild as we do. Um, But obviously, it was really disappointing. He didn't, you know, share anything about uh, any new products. I think Omar's tweet summed it up the best. It's like, hey, I'm going to do a product announcement. The announcement is there's no product coming,
0: Um, which I mean. Hold on, hold on. He did mention like two products. There's a big one. Yes, I
9: know, I know, I know. know He mentioned FSD and I know he mentioned that we're focusing on Tesla Bot. Op- yeah, the
0: optimist. Optimus.
9: yeah, optimists. 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 yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. But I mean, I think it's still kind of far out and I don't think it was exactly what people were expecting. So maybe people would be a bit disappointed, but not even focusing on that. What kind of frustrated me is that when you had everyone there and you had Elon there and you had everyone excited, I wish he would have given us more about what actually is coming. So he said FSD is coming by the end of the year. What what's come, What is that going to look like in its final implementation, you know? Could we have been told a little bit about when Tesla plans to start applying for actual like permits to operate vehicles autonomously, what their software might look like or when we might begin to see software or where that is in development as it comes to like, you know, having actual ride sharing capability within the app. Um, You know, they said FSD is coming by the end of the year, but then they also said Dojo is kind of up in the air. So I guess that means Dojo is not really needed to achieve FSD.
0: It'll just kind of. Oh, that's, I, I think people aren't getting Dojo, like, at no, all. No, I didn't. No, that, that that's the thing, like, and the question that was asked, it was like, will Dojo make FSD better? Uh, it, it, one has nothing to do with the other. No, it's yeah. It's basically the cost and efficiency of training yeah. uh, that, that goes down. Well, and- to answer
3: Noah's broader question, I mean, I think you're exactly right that the hope was that he would say, well, guess what? We finished the cyber truck early, and it's no, shipping no. today. I drove <laughs> no. a cyber truck here. You get a cyber truck. Look under your seat, <laughs> oh and God. that's like I don't what think anyone's hoping for that. And I mean, I think it's pretty much a universal thing that just the amount of hype and like people just get bored. They need something to talk about, so it's just like a pattern I've noticed that like we're disappointed by pretty much everything, yeah, because people just get so excited Attics. about all the things that could happen. Yeah. And then the reality happens and it's like, oh, man, like my wildest fantasies didn't come true. Yeah. But but what I you know, but what I wanted I think to touch it's... on,
9: too, is is more like realistic things that are related to the things that are coming now. Right. Like he said, Model Ys are coming from Texas with 4680s in the next quarter. I would love to know, you know, what's what's the implementation of that going to look like? Are we going to have a new trim of the Model Y? What's the, you know, what's changing? Like, give us the information about what's actually coming. Yeah, you know but people I mean?
0: are asking questions like stock splits.
9: No, that's, that's You know, I it's agree. like, so no, I agree I, with
0: you. That would, that would have been a good question. How do yeah. you, you know, and of course, they don't like to talk about it, like what's under the chassis, like what kind of batteries are in there. But like, again, your ex, people's expectation were on like say like Cybertruck. No. But he went on the earnings call to talk about what's going on. And I think it's important to let, put these expectations aside and really focus on what he said. And what I might take away on these, uh, uh, these announcements that he made is 4680 is a go for Texas and the factory, not only Cato's doing good, but the, the factory is already starting to produce some parts uh, of 4680s at, uh, at Austin. So that's great news. So that means that they figured out everything that they needed to figure out, and that's going to be just the ramp. Then he talked about new factories being announced, so growing scale uh, uh, by uh, announcing in 2022 new factories, and that mostly the cars that will be built that will do that 50% year-over-year growth will be Model Ys primarily, which is great news. That means demand is there, and they can fulfill it. And the third thing is, um, sorry, third is FSD, that people are underestimating it. He he hammered that in, like, over and over again. Yeah. And the fourth thing is Optimus, which people were, like, throwing back to, like, 2025, 2026. He's talking about it, like, this year. Yeah. Uh, no, they're going to be engineering on that this year.
9: Yeah, I hear that, too. But at the same time, he also kind of, you know, mentioned... Hey, if you want to work on this project, we really need people. We, we this is what we want to focus on because we think it's important. But I didn't necessarily get the get the sense that it's like this is definitely going to happen next year. It seems like it's their focus and that's what they want to prioritize. But does that mean you know?
0: Well, we they're working more on the on Optimus than they are on model uh, the twenty five thousand dollar car.
4: Right. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Elon just um, tweeted I don't know yesterday or today that their restraint in Fremont is workers. Yeah. So if, if if they're going to be building a bunch more factories and they already have two factories they're gonna be ramping, employees are needed. And yep. so Optimus is probably he calls it subprime, but it's probably prime for for um
9: Tesla. Just So to me, the only other thing I have to just to say about like you know, FSD, I think Elon's talked in the past about hardware four. And again, I think that was something that was kind of alluded to that might come at the end of this year, maybe end of 2022. Um, and with him saying that FSD is likely to be, you know, feature complete by the end of this year, I would have liked to hear if hardware four works itself into that equation. And then again, like when it comes to the, to, to Optimus, um, You know, I I get Dojo isn't necessarily required to, you know, do stuff like that. But at the same time, it seems like to have a general purpose, you know, robot that can do, uh, you know, these different tasks, it might be, you know, somewhat important to have mass, mass, mass amounts of data being, um, you know, being learned from using Dojo. So it just seems like...
0: like... Hold on, like Dojo, I just want to clarify. Yeah. Like like you said, GPUs... Are basically getting better like computers like every chip is getting better and f- cheaper and faster year over year so they're basically in a race but whatever you can do with gpus you can do on dojo right the so only you're just... thing that if you're doing a lot of ai work and a lot of training having dojo makes sense because it'll use less power it'll waste less power and it'll the, the cost of, I don't know, every terabyte of training will be lower. Yeah. So because they're in that business, they say, well, we got to focus on this because the trend right now with GPUs means that, yeah, it's going to cost us every year more and more, and we'll have to upgrade our, our GPU clusters constantly. So why not vertically integrate and bring sure. this in-house and make something that's like uh, the bomb inside Tesla and that we control what we need for.
9: Yeah, that makes more sense. I, I honestly was, and I'm sure I'm not the only person, but I was more thinking of it as a necessary thing that they kind of had to have. But the way you explain it there, by saying it's more of a cost-saving measure and making things more efficient when you're, you know, processing all this data, that actually makes more sense. And I definitely wasn't looking at it from that perspective. So well, and you know, Elon, it's good to have these conversations. Also
4: said that the the mark is for the team to say when the GPU is at the level that it has to go to Dojo because it can't do any better.
3: Well, I think that for Dojo, the key thing to understand is Dojo exists, right? There is Dojo boards that have been made and they've been assembled into a Dojo system. It's up in Tesla right now, but it's not being used to actually train the FSD beta builds and autopilot builds that we use today. Why? Because the team prefers to use the existing training clusters they have using NVIDIA GPUs. The tooling and everything is very advanced. It's built out. It works. As Elon said, the goal of the team is to create something that the autopilot team says, hey, you know what? I would rather train on Dojo than train on our existing training cluster because it's better. And yes, it does save cost. But if you can save cost and you can train faster, You can potentially, you know, increase the rate of iteration. You can um, maybe potentially use a bigger model since it's training faster and costing less and that can give you better performance. So yes, it does kind of help make FSD better, but a lot of people do have this misconception and that's why he said it's not needed for FSD. It's just a different way to train that we think could be better. But you can, you know, everybody's training neural networks, right? Yeah. Um, And, and they have pretty, you know, the supercomputer they have, that's training FSD beta right now is the fifth biggest in the world. But really going back to your larger point about kind of, you know, being disappointed or wanting more info. I think 2021 was a disappointing year in many ways with the supply chain shortages. There were just so many different issues. And, You know, like the passenger lumbar, which they talked about on the call, like they just didn't have enough seating control chips. So what are you going to do? Are you going to cut production and miss your goals for the year or ship some cars without passenger lumbar? And, you know, nobody's using it. And people are all suddenly like, oh, well, I use passenger lumbar. So there was a lot of delays, a lot of disappointments. Model S and X production was actually down. A lot of shitty stuff with the supply chain. But I think it's really kind of a beautiful time if you really zoom out. And, you know, I think it. you know, I think it's kind of silly to be overly disappointed when you yeah. zoom out and
10: yeah, you look not, at I'm what's
3: happening. I'm
9: not overly disappointed. Like, I, I think when I say I'm disappointed, I don't mean I'm like, Oh my God, this is such a letdown. Like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to Tesla or anything. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's still super exciting. Like Canada is about to get FSD beta. I don't know how I can, you know, not be excited about that. I am extremely excited. Um, I just think it's like you said, right, we we kind of work ourselves up sometimes about these things and start theorizing a little too much. And, and uh, it it burns us sometimes in our own, uh, with our own predictions. But yeah, I mean, like I said, at the start, before I even mentioned all the other stuff, like, obviously, Tesla's moving in a super, super positive direction. And, you know, the little things that we nitpick on are exactly that just little things, but there's a million people who want to talk. So I'll give the stage to someone else, but thanks as always guys. Uh, Enjoy the conversation. Yeah. So, I mean,
3: yeah, right. So what I was saying was, uh, I mean, I think you were voicing a lot of people's concerns about maybe expecting, you know, Cybertruck to come sooner or something like that. And Elon instead said they're going to focus on their existing products, but Really, if you zoom out, they said there's two really big things happening at the company. It's the new battery technology, 4680 and FSD. And you look at where the company is today. They today announced and confirmed that they're going to be delivering the first Model Y with 4680 and structural pack this quarter. I mean... This is fucking huge. Since Battery Day, how long ago was that? What shareholder meeting? Was that 2020 or 2019? I think it was 2020, right? Yeah, 2020, yep. So it's been two years since we heard about this new technology they have. And now they have built a new factory in Texas. It's their corporate headquarters, the offices, where all the people in Giga Texas, the office workers are going to work, is overlooking the factory floor. They've integrated this factory and the headquarters and they're laser focused on ramping production of this new technology. They're going to be making cells in the factory, in the factory where the office is, putting them into battery packs in the same factory, mounting the seats directly onto the battery pack. The battery pack is not a separate item that they're buying from suppliers, like GM buys their bolt batteries from LG Chem. And then they start suing each other when something goes wrong. No, those cells are made in-house into packs, which are a part of the car, which are mounted seats right on the pack, as they showed, and then connected with the large front and rear underbody castings. And that's the Model Y. Like, this is a revolution in how you make an electric vehicle. And they've reached a turning point where they've come up with a more efficient way to make electric vehicles than combustion cars so they can get a lower cost. That's really what this new architecture is about and what the shift to LFP is about. Like, and although it may be disappointing, like this is kind of an old idea from Apple that like focus is about saying no. And they decided, look, what's really important to us pushing out as many cars as possible to hit legacy auto hard while production is down across the industry while demand is hot, just eat as much as possible by just ramping production of these products and the 4680 ones as well. And then on FSD, people can actually buy a car with FSD and hit the request FSD beta button. And they can try the city streets code and have it do complete drives with zero takeovers today, in some cases. And This year, they're going to remove that safety score request beta button thing. And just anyone who buys FSD will have this feature if they get a new Model Y from Texas or any of the cars from Fremont. So there's some really incredible things happening. And that you saw that one slide, the accumulated deficit in the history of the company. They're now profitable across the entire history. They've paid back everything that was invested to build the company you know this is really kind of the first day for tesla as a real company as elon put it right and that's really the driver behind all of these decisions today that we heard they want to make all of these products really great and deliver us some great financial performance this year and i think yeah tesla is a big kid now. And it's going to really start delivering some serious financial results. Like you just look at the record quarter and you look at the growth they have planned and it's just nuts. The stars think, are really aligned.
4: Yeah. And I think as a community, because we know um so much about Tesla and we get so much information way before, you know, Bloomberg or any of the other media even put it out. Um, I think we lose sight of the fact of how transparent um, Tesla is t- for us. I mean, look at Battery Day. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to tell us about the 4680s when they did. But they went into extreme detail about, you know, the 4680 and, and what it was going to be. And And I think we, we lose sight of just how much information that we have but what what other company do people have, do shareholders have this information and this much transparency mm-hmm. about the products that are being, you know, manufactured? I, I don't
7: know of any. If anybody knows, let speak. Gary, can you speak to that maybe? Yeah, I find, and again, I'm going to take the different view on this. I find Tesla doesn't give as much detail as other companies I listen to, whether it be Microsoft, Apple. Amazon doesn't give much. Um, but most of the companies I listen to give a lot more detail than Tesla does, a lot more. Just on how to get to the numbers. So I think Elon talks strategically and he presents a good vision, but you know, he doesn't have the um I'm gonna call it the executive team that can go into detail the way like a Microsoft. I listened to their conference call yesterday. This is a stock that was also down five percent in the beginning and then it got on and you know, they're just, they're just very, you know, boom, boom, boom. Here's, here's how we think about each one of our businesses. Here's how we think about the growth for the next few years. Whereas Tesla's much more big picture. Here's my vision, but very, very um, little detail. So I don't, uh, it, it's more, it's more vision, but not detail. And I think you need to do both. And anyway, you look, Elon said something, which I thought was interesting. And I agree with him hundred percent. You know, it's, it's all about, you could you could. It's all about inspiration and everybody can can say they want to do something and you know the inspiration is easy, but it's the execution that matters and I think that's what investors want to hear more of how are you going to actually get to the vision that you're painting for us so that's just me and, listening to probably thirty you, sorry, or 40 but do you include tomorrow. do you include
0: like i I get the earnings call but if you include an inside the earnings call um elon's tweets and tesla's uh investor days like autonomy day battery day yeah. ai day if you put all that together do you still have the
7: same opinion that other companies give more uh info but but other companies do that um you know they yeah. they, they have annual investor days and look yeah. elon is very good at painting the vision Talking about the long term strategy, but he's he needs he needs to do a better job of giving people the detail about how they're gonna get there. And he probably has it in his head. He just doesn't share. I mean today look, look at today's call. The the stock was at nine seventy, it finished at nine thirty. Okay. If it was as good as you know some of the people here say it was, why would it drop forty points? You know, it just it it's the vision is good. We're gonna earn above fifty percent. But just read the headlines. So I'm going to, you know, I'm looking at the headlines on Bloomberg. Tesla reports record yearly profit, but um, supply problems persist. That's uh, the New York Times. Reuters. uh, Tesla beats on profit, but no Cybertruck new vehicles this year. I'm sorry, that's Bloomberg. um, Reuters. Tesla forecasts 22 growth above 50% despite supply chain challenges. He didn't talk about the supply chain challenges. I mean, he didn't talk about specifically how they're addressing them. He said, Yeah, you know, we have them, but I, I just don't get a lot of detail listening to the test comments. But I know a lot of institutional people like me who listen to, you know, 20, 30, 40 a month, they say the same thing. There's just not a lot of detail on them.
4: I think the business model is a lot different and a lot more clear. And so I'm, really, I, I, I'm this that they can't give specific certain, you know, specific deals on specific details on certain things because if they do then, you know, they shift 90 degrees and go a different way.
3: Well, I think that Gary's right and Tesla probably takes a hit for these kinds of not doing the things that are expected, like maybe not having PR or for not having necessarily as much of a uh, coordination with investors at a very detailed level where you can really speak to these large institutional buyers and people who want to see all this stuff really spelled out. And that's an opportunity for improvement in the future, but they haven't really been focused on building out that part of the business. They don't really seem to care as much. They're really trying to focus on building a business that can produce maybe, you know, $50 billion in earnings a year or something like that uh, long term. And they're really putting the people in who are going to know how to actually build those products, whether it's the software or the hardware. And I think ultimately, you can always put in a team that knows how to do those things. It's not rocket science. And maybe there's some bump to the stock from that when they can actually do that more effectively, but it just doesn't seem to be something that they really care about. They're all about focusing entirely on the,
7: and that's, that's fine because that's Tesla and we as investors know that that's the way it works. But to grow from here, when again, Tony Sakunaki, who's a very smart guy, he's the number one ranked analyst on Apple ask a question about, okay, explain to me how, how the FSD, which keeps going down, you know, every year the FSD take rate goes down, how it's going to just suddenly turn around. You know, it's like a softball question. And Elon just kind of said, no, I'm not going to really answer that. That's, you're, you're an idiot. And then he says, well, tell me how to get to three and a half million units in 2023. If it was Microsoft or Apple or anybody else, they would give you a roadmap of how to figure it out. And again, Elon just says, well, y- y- you don't understand whatever you said. Back. Yeah. How big that's going to be? And that, look, that's fine to say, but that's just not. It's not what. That's not what other companies say. Other companies are going to give you some more detail to figure this stuff out. Yeah,
0: I, I totally agree. But I, I still like to yeah, to Omar's point. I think that you know, with the growth that they've seen this year. Uh, Elon mentioned that everybody else is contracting and with even with the supply shortages of, that they went through to 2020 and 2021, they've managed to hit their targets and surpass them. Mm-hmm. So to to ask the same question, like how are you going to get to 3.5 million? It, we're looking at 1.5 million this year. And this is basically can be reached without Giga Texas and Giga Berlin. Yeah. So why would I I get that maybe what would ask yeah i in a sense that there's no like big mystery they're going to execute as they've been executing with a supply constraint that is getting alleviated day by day or they expect to get alleviated day by day, so they won't have to do so how do you you know it, it's like they didn't explain like all the engineering and all the 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 agile things that they had to like adapt to, to reach those goals. They just deliver here are the results we did better than anybody else in the market and how we did it. It probably doesn't interest anybody, you yeah. know, like except us, maybe we're interested about how they manage and they, they, rewrote the software, redid the boards, redid everything to basically not take a big hit with the, the supply shortages uh, issues. But, yeah, they execute it, so judge them on their numbers, and when they say that next year it's comfortable fifty percent, just it's yeah yeah, trust us because we de- we did it in bad circumstances, and we delivered, and we're going to do it this year in better circumstances there's no problem,
7: yeah,
3: you know, I mean, I think to what Gary's speaking to is it has some validity, like you know Gary comes from a background and a culture that kind of understands these things. And I think, you know, this kind of like the price of Elon, right? That's why he's not really on the earnings calls. It's a waste of his time. And, you know, he'll do stuff like that, like not answer questions if he doesn't think the analyst is asking a good question or stuff like that, which he's done before. And, you know, Wall Street views that very negatively. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Elon – is somebody who we put up with his idiosyncrasies because he, at the end of the day, that vision sounds nuts, but it actually adds up to something. When they said, hey, we're going to build a giant, you know, gigawatt scale battery factory, and we're going to make all these batteries for cars because that's what we need to really mass produce cars at the scale that we'd really like to. People said, well, you're nuts. EVs aren't profitable Your company has never been profitable. They're losing billions of dollars or millions of dollars left and right. And, you know, this is going to be a disaster of an endeavor for you. And now look at where they are, where the biggest car companies in the world cannot catch them on EV production because they thought ahead. And really, this autonomy thing is a similarly nuts thing that only Elon would do, that he would realize that. Deep learning can actually drive a car, and we're actually going to pursue this path. And yeah, people are going to think he's nuts for a while. And yeah, it may not be the best for earnings calls, the way he kind of talks to analysts. But long term, he's going to be on Mars or something like that. And there's going to be a different CEO of Tesla decades in the future. And what'll be left is the business he built. So, I think that's kind of the way I look at it is like, is he the best CEO to wear a suit and talk on the earnings calls and make analysts feel confident? No. You know, he's Elon, the guy who's actually going to come up with a really differentiated solution for autonomy and scale production and build a business where those little dr- window dressings can be worked out and shareholders can reap a lot of value, I think.
7: Yeah. Look, it's the largest, it, Tesla's the largest holding in our fund. It's like 12%. And we, I'm a believer. And I think it's, he's got a superior product. He he can hire the best engineers. The brand is, you know, it's like a generic for EVs. They have the best model. Okay. Where I think, and look, maybe this is nitpicking, but the communications suck, <laughs> you know, and he, there's got to be a better way to communicate. He's an engineer, and he does a great job from a brilliant engineering mind, best product, and and that's that's what they they're known for, but they don't have good communications, and it's just I don't know how to fix that. You know, Apple Apple had a great engineer product with you know the way they built it with Steve Jobs, and it was the best product on the market, and it you know it it it, it changed the whole way we communicate, but they also had great great communications, so. I'm just trying to look out a few years and try to figure out, OK, how do they communicate that their product is better than everybody else's once everybody else, you know, has 400 miles per charge and, you know, has great technology. And I don't know everything else that, you know, they, they will catch up at some point. So that's that's what I'm trying to figure out.
0: And just hypothetically, let's say this year, uh, Elon basically FSD is feature complete. So let's say they hit that out of the park and let's say that by year's end, they deliver over 1.5 million cars and let's say they announce one or two extra locations for gigafactories. Mm -hmm. Um, At at, at which point will, do you think like institutional investors uh, say, okay, maybe we need to adapt to what Elon is saying and how he's saying it and like just take it at, at face value and yes he's not going to give us all the information we expect from like other companies but you know if he says it you know we can bank on it and do you think elon's not going to change i think we can agree <laughs> on that so yeah. will institutional investors at some point say okay well the guy delivered during the pandemic he delivered during the supply shortages now he delivered like after uh, in 2022 and you know, Berlin is ramping, Texas is ramping, 1.5 million FSD is feature complete, waiting maybe on regulators for robo taxis, and like at some point, I'm guessing somebody's going to have to like take him at his word.
7: They will. And look, if you if you have 1.4 million units delivered this year, which is what Zach said, 50 percent growth from just Fremont and uh, Shanghai, and even if you get make it up a hundred grand from Austin. And hundred grand from Berlin, and remember, Shanghai I think delivered about 150 its first year. So let's yeah. just say hundred each because it's a little you know it's it's getting on. If they deliver 1.6 million units, they're gonna they're gonna make about 12.50 to 13 bucks. The streets at 10. So yes, yeah, stock will go up. No question, the stock will go up. So to your to answer is yes, they'll 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 figure it out. The math works, and they'll bid up the stock. So to your question, yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, but I mean it's it's not just about the stock and bidding it up. I'm saying yeah. like the the mentality where you're expecting something institutional investors are expecting something from these earning calls and they're getting it mostly from other CEOs and other companies. Yeah. But at some point they're gonna say, Okay, we have like the black sheep here, it's Elon Musk, Tesla, and we we can't expect these things, so we'll just basically take what he says and value it like properly going forward i mean like listen his whole history is people disbelieving him like landing rockets uh uh, fsd he's always like delivery numbers oh my god the demand cliff and all these things at some point i'm guessing you know people like are going to stop crying fire when elon says there's no fire burning people are going to stop you know yelling fire 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 Because this is what I'm hoping, and I'm wondering if your take is on the same thing, that Elon's not going to change. So institutional investors will be forced to change their views or else they're always going to keep missing the boat.
7: Yeah, well, that's true. And look, Elon could could help by hiring a strong number two or number three (laughs) or number four. I mean, that's, that's a big difference. You hear on these other conference calls that, you know, Zach does a pretty good job on the financial side. But he needs a he needs to, be able to point to other people on his team who, if he got hit by a bus, you know could take over for him and that he hasn't done that. maybe somebody
3: I think really customer facing who's full time like really kind of what Shotwell does at SpaceX is she manages the customers right, and SpaceX has been able to attract uh you know customers like NASA like, you know, the space agencies of other countries, like other sovereign nations, large corporations. And a key of really how they were able to do that was Shotwell. She worked with the customers and she'd actually kind of had a background in the industry. And she was really great at convincing the customers that SpaceX was the way to go and convincing them that their agile process was kind of unusual, but it was great. And I think that she complimented Musk significantly, who really had expertise in how do we build a rocket by ourselves that we can bring to market at a you know economic price, and that was an, that was kind of a really important uh, role for her to fill. And Tesla could kind of use somebody similar who's just kind of really a customer facing person because. We, I think, really only have Elon as the customer face. Mm-hmm. And you think about like Elon, uh, Steve Jobs and like, you know, Phil Schiller uh, or people like that who are like uh, really product facing people who can speak to the customers. Um, And, yeah, hopefully we'll see kind of some of the leadership be fleshed out there over time as uh, the company.
0: Yeah, but let's be honest, we're not talking about what we were talking so far was basically addressing institutional investors. Our questions, what Noah was mentioning and everything, these, this is like us, like Tesla crack hose nerding out on Tesla and having our expectations blown because we follow this so intensively both because our, our enthusiasm for the company, for, for Elon, for our stock portfolio, for whatever reason, you know, we're really deep in the weeds with that. And of course, we'll be disappointed. And I don't think you can find anybody that'll rep- answer all of our questions. First of all, probably a lot of things are have to be kept secret to some extent. But yeah, we're never going to get everything we want. I don't think that's ever going to happen.
1: I also think it's it's tough for traditional auto analysts be able to cover Tesla without having help from fellow analysts that with other expertise in, in the company or the bank or whatever, because, you know, obviously Tesla is a multidimensional company with, you know, you have to be an expert in sort of on energy or software and all kinds of things, battery technology to be able to really thoroughly understand the company. I feel like, and luckily I think in the Tesla community, we have people like Jordan Gieseghi and Gary black to understand the financials and stuff like that. Um, and I remember, like, Adam Jonas speaking to this in one of his Tesla notes, like, many, many months ago. And he was talking about how, like, Tesla, you sort of need a whole team of, like, experts to be able to, like, fully understand the company. And that's what like, Adam Jonas did. He brought in other people yeah, uh, yes. at Morgan Stanley to understand the company because he couldn't, I feel like, I think he said, like, he couldn't just do it himself. He needed more people.
7: Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing about Tesla. You don't have this loyal um, shareholder base on the retail. I mean, all the companies I file, there's nothing like this type of community in any other yep. stock. You're not going to find it. Not at Microsoft, not at Apple, not at Amazon. There's nothing like this community in other stocks, this passionate and this loyal, that knows the company as well.
3: They haven't so, had to fight uh,
7: Tesla future.
3: <laughs> hey, why don't we take a caller? some people have been waiting for such a long time. Yep.
7: Joe, did
3: you...
11: Yeah, I had a couple of things. I mean, been, I think it's fascinating just to hear you guys talk about, you know, expectations for the call, you know, how how it went, institutional versus sort of retail expectations. I mean, I just had one thought on that. I mean, you have to, you know, give Elon a little bit of the, the benefit of the doubt. You know, I think he, he came out and he said he, he had, he was on sort of the, the spectrum for, for Asperger's, right? And I, I think that play, uh, you know, it, it does. I think I think it does play a role when it comes to his communication. And so, like when you bring up points about having, you know, a strong number two, I think I think it does play a role. But there's no, there's, you just can't take away his level of execution that he's proved over the, you know, he he's proven over the past, you know, twenty years, even even before, you know, his Tesla years. He was doing it with with other companies that he founded um but that 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 was just my thought but question i have is and and the one thing that made me a little bit disappointed on on the earnings call was the fact you know that they've they've completely pivoted away from this twenty five thousand dollar car and what i'm curious to know from you guys is well in my opinion you know achieving that would 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 potentially be this sort of inflection point in the industry where you know you've got you know, lower class individuals that you know can now, you know, reasonably buy an electric vehicle, and it was it was a sort of expectation and hope from from my end that Tesla would be the first to do that and really start to we we really start to see a, a real like transition to EVs, and we're and we're seeing it happen. You know, we're seeing the the EVs gain market share from three percent to to six percent, but. You know, to get to like fifty percent, in my my opinion, you know that twenty five k car was important, and so I'm curious to know what you guys think. You know, them deciding to to place more of a focus on FSD rather than um, you know achieving this this lower cost car.
3: Yeah, great question, Joe. Thanks for asking that. I was wondering when this would
11: come up because
3: this is a big one. But um, I mean, I think the plant the status of the project hasn't really changed as much as you would think from their comments. I think they're still going to do a $25,000 car. Who knows if it's $25,000 at this point or what the cost is, but I think they're going to do something that's smaller than a model three, a compact car. Maybe it'll be made in Berlin or Shanghai, and it's going to use LFP batteries and have a structural pack and, They're planning that that down the line as a really high volume product, but probably less emphasis has been put into it because a lot of focus is just going into ramping levels of existing uh, products to the highest levels possible as fast as possible. And that's what all of their engineers and resources have been put into rather than, say, putting more work into the $25,000 car which is going to come, but, you know, even Cybertruck is pushed to 2023. We have to get Cybertruck out. We have to get some of these other vehicles out. We have to get the new Model Y launched this year before we then start to go down the line and work on those things. But another really important thing he said was, you're asking the wrong question. When you think about the affordability of electric vehicles, they said really clearly, FSD is going to be much more significant in increasing the utilization of electric vehicles such that more and more people can use electric cars to get around. And instead of having to pay $45,000 to start getting around in an electric car, you can maybe pay a few dollars and you can get a ride in an electric car that uses zero emissions. This is the real profound cost difference, not a $25,000 car. Although that will come, uh, and it may be more compelling as just a sort of form factor in some regions, the really significant thing is going to be software and car sharing and driving down the affordability for consumers.
4: I almost feel like it's back in the early 1900s when, you know, cars were first starting, and people just could not comprehend not using horses. And I feel like that's what we're, where we're at with the FSD, is like we, we just can't fully comprehend what it's going to be like because it's going to be so disruptive and so innovative.
0: Yeah, I got to say, um, to Omar's point, uh, with the numbers Elon he gave it out on top of his head i don 't think we can like bank on those numbers, but when he said like ten miles two dollars if you 're figuring people do like fifteen thousand miles a year that 's like three thousand dollars worth of you know robo-taxis. and if you 're talking about a thirty twenty five to thirty k car, this is like ten years' worth of of money that you have to put up front to buy a car that you will be driving yourself versus putting 3K a year to move around everywhere you want to go. Of course, there's the utilization and how people are going to put their car on the network. But if you're looking at purely from a financial perspective, I wouldn't put it past uh, in the future of Tesla that maybe the 25K car never becomes a reality because there's no need for one. Because right. pe- people are will be able to afford all their their driving needs for about one tenth of what it would cost to buy a car. So instead of plunking down 30 K on the first year, you just put down three K a year and you know, all your driving needs are met, no insurance, no maintenance, no nothing. You just like go from point A to point B. I was commenting earlier. I think that if people could have like, if teleporters were real, people would definitely decide, yeah, I don't want to commute to work. I just want to teleport from home to my office and that's it. And at some point, the value of being able to go from point A to point B in a car that drives itself while you're basically catching up on your emails before you get to the office or eating your breakfast because you wanted 15 minutes more sleep or 30 minutes more sleep. that's gonna bring real value to people instead of just buying a car and trying to find a parking space. I know here in Montreal, I don't own a car. I ditched it uh, a few years back because it was getting a real pain in the ass with the the snow and the plows and the parking and the meters and everything. I just, you know, it didn't make sense for me anymore. So I Uber everywhere. And it's the same thing. I think there, there's going to be a big transformation where maybe the 25K car is, is not. And, and you got to ask yourself also from a manufacturing standpoint, if they announce, let's say today, or let's say next week or next month, they do like an unveil of the 25K car. How many orders are going to come in for that? And how, may, how, how, how fast would they have to rent the production to actually make sense to deliver a 25K car? It, it would be insane. And right now they, they can't even meet the demand of like 60K cars. So why would you go to a 25K car and put all your resources, engineering, manufacturing, uh, capex, uh, all these things to work on a 25K car, which you will not be able to produce in the volume that it would require for you to get an, a,
7: a enough margins to make it worthwhile. Just See, Alex, Alex is right because they don't have the capacity now. And if they brought it up to your point, it would just cannibalize. Imagine if they announced it, it would basically take away from model three. And so why would you want to do that? You'd want to sell as many model threes as you can. And he didn't say he's not going to do it. He just said, not yet. It's not a, he said, we have enough on our plate right now, quite frankly. That's what he said. So I don't think it's never. I just think that's not the priority right now when you've got unbelievable demand for Model 3, unbelievable demand for Model Y. And when you have, you know, eight gigafactories or six, then you might think about it. But it's it's that that, that isn't why the stock was off today. I mean, people weren't thinking that much incremental volume from, from the $25,000 car. And frankly, yeah. when you look at the supply chain, there
3: isn't really enough of a supply of critical parts. When you have a car that's low price, the volume is going to be high because obviously as the, the price comes down, the number of p- people willing to buy a car for that price increases. So you have to produce at a much higher volume to make the supply and demand match up. And there just aren't that many parts to do a car that could be you know, something that's selling hundreds of thousands of units, right? Uh-huh. So
0: that's yeah, each car needs like, well, right now they need a steering wheel, but maybe in the future they won't, but, you know, they need four brakes. They need, you know, four wheels, four tires, for you know, all these things. And if you can sell it for 60K versus 25 or 30K, why would you? And, but um, it's an open question. I, I'd like to have people stake, do you think that FSD could be, it, let's say it comes out feature complete this year. And since we're talking Cybertruck 2023, at the earliest uh, and and no plans to unveil the 25K car. So we're talking maybe 2023, 2024, which means it comes out in 2025, 2026. Is it possible that FSD basically like demolishes the 25K car and basically robo-taxis become, fulfills the need possibly of everybody by
3: 2025, 2026? Well, I think one Is really that, important An interesting piece of guidance they gave is they said, we think Model Y is going to be the best selling vehicle in the world of any kind. They didn't say we think the $25,000 car is going to be the best selling car in the world. And conventional wisdom would tell you, well, a car that costs less is going to sell more units, right? Supply and demand. But maybe in a situation where the economics of the industry fundamentally change, and it actually costs almost nothing to buy a car, a car may actually be an income producing asset, then maybe it makes sense that a $50,000 car would actually become more affordable and people would actually choose it over the $25,000 car. In a way, they're really kind of betting the whole company on autonomy. And if you believe they can really pull it off, then a lot of what they're doing starts to make sense. And if you don't believe that they can pull it off or that it can happen in a reasonable time frame, then everything that they're doing doesn't really make a lot of sense. Because, of course, you would want to work on a $25,000 car, get the affordability down. Isn't that Tesla's mission? But Tesla's now looking at this from a whole new angle, a softer angle. And that's going to let them build a very strong business with 30% gross margins and higher. Um, at much higher volumes than people thought was possible looking at what the industry was doing before. So they're going to continue to have a very strong business there, really focus on ramping that up, uh, just provide great financials and use innovative new software and services to drive down the affordability.
12: Hey, guys. Yeah, I just wanted to hop on that if uh, if I could. Uh, back in September 20, you know, it was a very different, you know, situation with the company. I don't think they anticipated the demand to be where it is today. Um, you know, Model Y being as good as it is today, they, they figure, well, why exactly why sell into that lower demographic. Um, but also on that, yeah, I, I would also like to say, you know, I don't think the, the 25K car is a car that anyone can buy from the public. It's a robo-taxi. And yeah, if the utility is five X, you really only need a million cars to provide the same margin as five million. Um, I think many Wall Street models are they're not aligned with where Elon's taking this company, uh, whether good or for bad. Uh, and then on that as well, uh, just had a another question in regards to forty six eighty Model Y. Uh, we were speaking in a co- in a clubhouse like I don't know maybe a couple of nights ago. Do you guys still think there will be a product line differentiation there? Because the way I'm seeing it is. They're probably going to use the dummy cells inside the pack to get the weighted average cost of the Model Y down. Uh, the cost of goods sold will go down. The gross margin will go up. Um, it, Tesla won't tell any customer whether it's 4680 or uh, 2170, and there will be no product line differentiation. What do you?
4: No, the 4680 will be coming out. They're already driving them around Austin right now.
0: No, no, I, 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 I got your question. I got your question. We, we've been debating this in like private, private clubhouse rooms. Like, how do you? Uh, Tesla doesn't want you to know what kind of batteries. Like, initially, you knew like it was badged, like how many kilowatt hours your car had, and then they figured out that that was a bad idea because it's not the metric that matters. Um, because then there's the efficiency. So two cars that have hundred kilowatt hours packs. Uh, will not get the same range so why the hell would you talk about how big the pack is and i think for the cells it's the same thing uh they're they're not marketing oh this is a model y with 4680s versus this is a 2170 uh yeah so it's a big question how do if you're getting better performance on range and on charging and you know because it's a structural pack so there's like the negative mass that was mentioned at battery day and everything how do you match it up so that customers don't get basically screwed whereas you know you like on the same month like two people take delivery of a model y and and just this is to clarify so people understand i and you can tell me if i if i got your question right so like two people order a model y they take delivery like next month one comes from austin one comes from Fremont, and down the road, like, the one that came from Austin can get, like, a software uh, uh, over-the-air update that gives it, like, a 15% boost in range, while the guy that got it from Fremont is crying because, like, what the hell? Like, I ordered the same thing. I paid the same price as the other guy. How come I don't get, because I'm on the older model? Is is that basically your question, Adrian? Yeah, that's, just, that's exactly it,
12: but I'm more of the, you know, I don't think there will be that software upgrade option because then you'll have people, like, going crazy for the 4680 model y i'm more of the impression that they fill it with dummy cells or something and, and they keep kilowatt hours per- yeah
0: and, and and they could and they also could do a um like nicer interior we talked about like the the new uh, paint colors like but it, it doesn't match up because berlin uh, not berlin is starting with i think black and white and same thing with uh giga texas it's not the new fancy colors uh, yeah it 's really hard to say like how how do they 'll do the differentiation maybe like you said they they make a smaller pack with forty six eighties and they're they 're equal until the twenty one seventy model like drops out because forty six eighty production is for everybody, and then they can increase range for everybody starting on a certain day you know it the everybody gets more, but before that day nobody gets more whether you 're on forty six eighties or twenty one seventies
3: yeah there's basically two ways they can do this. And the reason they're not saying anything is because this could potentially be a shit show because everybody wants the new 4680 model Y and it's going to be a dramatic improvement in some ways, but they can't make that many. Most of the Y's they're making are 2170 Y's. So they need to manage this situation very carefully Because if everyone who ordered a Model Y were to say, that's okay, I'm going to wait for the 4680Y, then their business would collapse and we would have a really bad quarter. And everyone who had shares would lose a lot of money. So they don't want that to happen. And that's why they're being very careful about how they roll this out and how they communicate with it. So there's basically two ways to solve this problem. One is... You take the new Y and you make it better. So you give it longer range, maybe better acceleration. Maybe it's a performance or performance plus or something. And you make it way more expensive so much so that less people will want to buy it. So many less people that the vast majority of them still want the 2170 Y. But that's kind of difficult because you might have to make it really, really expensive to get that to balance out. You might still take a hit on the 2170 business. The other thing you could do is you could essentially like make the Y, and they're going to be very similar. Like The interior, exterior, everything is going to look identical between the 2170 and 4680 Y because they're not, they don't want to cause too much attention to it. You'll be able to tell maybe by the driving feel, the improvements in the structural pack, but you're not going to see anything really on the order page about like really these technical details. They're going to avoid calling it out as much as possible, but it's possible that they may even have it pretend to have or actually have the same spec. So you can either software limit the battery like excessively, to increase safety and just basically softer limit it to the exact same range that the 2170 Y has so that it's essentially kind of like the same car, same acceleration, same everything to kind of minimize the differences. And then you could potentially actually produce more units from Austin and, uh, ramp up to match faster and then maybe switch over the other cars to the new process as the Austin cell line comes online. But, um, yeah, it's basically going to be one or the other. Either make it a higher priced trim or make it uh, indistinguishable uh, or as indistinguishable as possible. But that obviously has its potential issues as well, with some customers obviously wanting the 4680. And I don't know, maybe new capabilities could be unlocked or maybe the charging's different. I'm sure it's better in some ways that we don't understand, but. Yeah, if this is really happening this quarter, it'll be really interesting to see how they roll that out because they've decided this is what we want to focus on our entire year for new product roadmap is just this one thing, just ramping 4680 Y and how they do that and whether they can do that while preserving the existing business is going to be
0: Yeah, so let's take the next caller. Oh, we got Ryan back. Ryan, you're up. Going once, twice. Okay, Paul, you're up. Hi, can
2: you guys hear me? Yep. Okay, um, thanks for having me on. I just wanted to address a few things here, uh, specifically to uh, Gary's answers on to why other people, why? Gary's premise is basically this. Everybody is going to eventually have FSD. And what is Tesla's advantage for FSD? I would like to postulate one of the things that Tesla has an advantage is all the other competitors are going to have FSD, but they're going to have FSD in um, new cars. In fact, like the Mach-E doesn't even ship with the FSD equivalent computer. It's basically an add-on you have to buy. Right now, Tesla can sell it as a subscription to anybody that has it. So basically they have millions of cars out there that will not need any retrofit or whatsoever to run FSD when FSD is complete. So that's their primary advantage. The second advantage I wanted to point out to uh, Gary's point on to why would anybody pay so much money for an FST is that imagine if the car, and I think Omar touched on this already before, is that imagine if the car can basically um, drive your kids to school and then come back and pick you up. Then you really don't need two cars, but you're willing to pay more for one car. And this again, touches into the fact why Elon might actually have been hinting that he realizes that that because FSD is so close that it actually doesn't make sense to make a $25,000 car because um, basically uh, you have Uber. As Alex, as you pointed out, that like you're in Montreal, you don't have a car anymore. You just use Uber. Well, people will effectively just use an FSD Uber. So... I think that's the two point. Oh, yeah. And one more point I wanted to really touch on was that I think Tony Saganaki actually doesn't believe the demand is there for EVs. And I think that's what he was trying to get at um, with the question to Elon. But then Elon basically dissed and saying, we obviously have tons and tons of demand. And again, it's sad that he didn't give Tony a step-by-step, well, like, we have tons of demand. Why would we need another car? Anyway, that's basically what I wanted to say.
7: Hmm. Um, let me just address it real quick, and I'm going to jump. The um, first of all, t- Tony's a big believer in EVs. In fact, he owns two Teslas. He's he's definitely a pro EV type of guy, and he believes ultimately that you know EVs will replace other cars. I think his issue with Tesla's is, his view is that other cars will have the same technology that Tesla has, and so with e- with with FSD, if you and, and people don't accept this, which is fine, but if you accept that if six to ten other manufacturers have the same FSD capabilities in, you know, two or three years, and let's say one of them says, you know, we're, we're only going to charge $5,000 for FSD, we're only going to charge $50 a month of an upcharge, Tesla can't be charging $200 a month if it's got the same product. So that's, that's where I think Tony, um, you know, takes issue, I think, with what Elon's saying. And I know Tony. Tony I used to work together, so he's a very good analyst, and he, he loves he loves EVs. And he loves Teslas. He's got two.
2: Okay, that that's interesting. Yeah, but like I said, the I think that the thing that everyone's sort of missing is that the fact that uh, Tesla's ahead, so they will be able to, to enable FSD on a cheaper per car basis than any other competitor, anyway. Because yeah. if you think about it, like they have to buy buy from a third party like Mobileye or somebody that obviously is going to add, add additional
7: costs. Yeah. Do others have thoughts?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get something in, during the earnings call, there was a shift not Not a drastic shift, because he had mentioned this at uh, autonomy day, but I'm s- it's starting to like itch my brain in the sense that i think twenty five k car might not be needed, and I think they came to that realization we're we're talking like if you do I think the fifty percent growth over growth you're at five point one million in twenty twenty five that they're producing yearly Tesla, and it's probably going to be more than that uh with like two new factories and everything, so I'm thinking they're saying yeah we could do like model 3s or whatever it's going to be called then if it's still the model 3 but and basically have the utility of that car fulfill the needs of everybody that would buy a 25k car and it it basically switches the whole model on its head and this is where he started talking about the boring company about you know if if every car has five times more utility but then that means you need a whole lot less parking space, but you need to like deal now with traffic because instead of people like taking the bus and having, I don't know, like 25, 30 people on a bus, you have 25, 30 cars on the road that are doing point A to point B uh, commutes. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I have to it, like it's still it's still too fresh in my mind. I still haven't haven't processed it, but I, I think that could be a reality that maybe the 25K car is not needed to accelerate the transition. FSD will accelerate the transition to sustainable energy.
2: Yeah, exactly. I noticed that shift as well that you're talking about during, during the conference call. And that's why I was saying that I think that's the realization why they basically can be a 25K car.
6: Well and I think with the competition coming on I think Tesla should should focus on larger margins instead of a $25,000 car that could just be a wash in my
3: Well, I don't think they've canned the idea of a $25,000 car. They said in their master plan part 2 that they eventually want to expand to address all major vehicle segments. But they also said they're not doing any products this year. They're going to focus on ramping their existing product line. So I think that eventually there's going to be a car that's lower price range of the model three. That's a compact. It'll probably be produced in Shanghai, maybe in Berlin too, or maybe something else. Um, and that could happen at some point, but that's not going to be the key to driving down affordability. The software is going to be much bigger and who knows when, if ever the $25,000 car is going to happen it's clear that's not the focus set. At-
2: but I think also Elon wants everybody to get FSD. And if he's charging $10,000 for FSD, that is a huge segment. That's a huge percentage of a $25,000 car. And, but it's not a big percentage of a, well, it's still a significant percentage of a $50,000 car, but obviously not as much as percentage wise than a $25,000 car. Also, you have to remember uh, like you mentioned, Omar, every single car has four wheels, steering wheel, etc. But it also has an FSD computer. And more importantly, the FSD computer has a power budget. So right now, I believe the FSD computer is pegged at 70 watts or 100 watts, something to that effect. But that 70 watts to 100 watts of a larger battery pack. For a $25,000 car, you have to reduce the battery pack. So you effectively reduce the range as well. So I think the engineers at Tesla are starting to run into that problem. And maybe Elon's noticing that, well, you know, maybe we don't need it right now. And we'll get to the $25,000 car when battery technology gets better in about three or four years. And so, like, the Model Y will now be $25,000 instead of
4: $50,000. Well, and I think you made a good point, Paul, when you talked about, you know, the kids go off to school with autonomous you know, driving and then the car comes back and then you go to work, you know, and there's going to be a less need for, for as many cars in a family. Like I know someone who owns two cars, but they Uber all the time when they go out because they want to drink. So I think it's just going to, the people who, who would be buying the $25,000 car this way, they can still, they can go in a um with the FSD autonomously and and not have to pay the insurance and not have to pay you know
3: a, a car payment. Right, <laughs> I think Paul did yeah, so, make a really good point there which is there's this really common misconception like well FSD is not worth anything to me because I have a you know, I don't want to be an Uber driver. I don't want to be giving strangers rides. And therefore, FSD has no value to me. But when we talk about value, it's really about a lot more than just being able to go out and give rides. First of all, you know, there's, of course, resale value. Even if you don't want to, you could resell it to somebody. You could potentially use it for that purpose. And that brings up the market price. There's, for example, redu- savings on things like insurance, saving on things like accidents. How much value does it provide you to have a lower chance of being hurt in an accident? How much value does it provide you if you're a lawyer or an architect or an engineer who bills by the hour to have one or two more billable hours a day of billing clients for you know, cat, cat drawings or whatever you did on your computer. So I think that there's a lot of ways that it could provide value, whether, you know, you just send it to pick up some food for you and it picks up maybe some lunch for your coworkers as well. And you get a small fee out of their order or something like that through the ride sharing network or um, different kinds of ways that like it really translates into savings in your bank account. Like, if you're billing someone $200 an hour, would you be willing to pay, I don't know, $5 an hour or something for a piece of software that's going to drive your car for you? Yeah, of course, it's a no-brainer.
0: Okay, uh, next caller, Tom, because I see we have a long queue still.
13: (laughs) Hey, everyone. Yeah, uh, Paul kind of touched on uh, my point, but I, you know, I think, The way I view it is for FSD specifically, there's a few different gating functions. And the first is, uh, are you able to deliver on the software and the promises of actually making a car full self-driving? The second more important one, I think, is can you deploy that software at scale? And I think, you know, Tesla has been working for years now. On manufacturing cars that have the sensor suite that's ready to be deployed at a moment's notice, and they took a big risk in locking in that sensor suite and sticking to it. So they've essentially been accumulating a fleet to deploy the software on that's over uh, over a couple million cars now. Um, You know, competitors like Waymo or or. or crews or others, they don't have a fleet to deploy on. And the uh, lead time required to build up a fleet like that is extremely long. And I would say even if competitors could build a fleet to deploy on at the same scale as Tesla, then the third gating function is how much does it cost you to deploy? And then you start to think about, well, uh, how, you start to think about Tesla's manufacturing expertise and looking at how they can produce uh, the same car for much cheaper than any other competitor can. And in the end, I just don't see any competitor coming close to to beating them on any of those gating functions,
0: if you will. Yeah, I got to say, just to add on to that and to what was mentioned as a bit of a surprise about Optimus during the earnings call, if you're thinking about how Tesla works right now, as it was explained by people like Joe Justice who work there Agile, you have like the main assembly line and then you have little parallel Agile lines that basically innovate very rapidly. And if that iteration becomes like like for production, then the main line changes to to that new. And so I see maybe those small Agile lines become, this is where the the human capital works and the main line is like Optimus. And how, do, how does legacy auto compete with that when Tesla has mostly robots assembling, even the wire harnesses and everything on the main line, which is basically done by humanoid robots and the agile lines where there's creativity is needed to come up with better, newer solutions. Are done by humans, and then you can imagine, like Elon says, what does the economy look like when there's no, you know, labor shortages? You can just basically build the labor that will be doing the assembly. So I think that that's a fair point uh, in the sense that no other automaker, even though they let's say buy from Mobileye and and all that, and let's say Mobileye is like neck to neck with Tesla, which I don't think they are, but let's say. Uh, they still don't have the internal capabilities of scaling real-world AI the way Tesla has uh, end-to-end, basically, hardware and software. They're basically controlling everything and being able to make manufacturing like Tesla's long-term competitive advantage, as Elon mentioned. So I think the pieces of the puzzle, we're, we're seeing them come together, and I think the market is just not appreciating how, transformative this will be uh, for tesla and the world like fsd and everything once the world changes it's never going back nobody's going back to flip phones so nobody once fsd is a reality nobody's gonna going going back to saying well yeah but i i want to uh, you know maybe for vintage cars but that's about it otherwise it's going to be yeah i i don't want to drive i want to be driven everybody like the ultimate luxury is having a chauffeur And now everybody gets a chauffeur.
13: I just don't see any way that a competitor ever gets to the uh, scale of the, of the robo taxi network that Tesla will get to. It's just basically they'll be continually chasing them. And uh, that scale will in in itself produce better cost advantages, let alone that they can just manufacture the vehicle itself for so much less. Uh, So, You know, we've seen with Uber, it's all about, it's a cost game for these types of services. And reducing delivery costs is is key.
0: But uh, taking the next one, uh, another Joe, I believe. Joe, you're up. Joe going once, going twice, making Steven the next caller. Steven, you're up. Steven, going once.
14: Can you guys hear me?
15: Yep.
10: Well, my question was mainly for Gary, but you guys like to talk about FSD too much. (laughs) What do you guys think an appropriate PE ratio is for Tesla with this level of growth?
0: Oh, that's definitely a question for sort. Well, yeah, I think that really kind of depends
3: on a lot of macroeconomic conditions that are partly out of Tesla's control. But I think when you have this level of growth, um, it makes a lot of like, if it's always going to be a high multiple of trailing earnings. The faster you're growing, the higher your multiple of trailing earnings is going to be. So I think it's really kind of the long wrong metric to look at for a growth company in a lot of ways, but At the same time, you look at Tesla's Ford PE and even their trailing PE, it's never been lower than it is right now. Or not, sorry, not never been lower, but it's much lower than it was before. No, I think their PE's the lowest it's ever been. Uh, Yeah, especially with these new results. It's, uh, you
1: know, not that it's it's looking like a value, but yeah. I think Rob Mayer tweeted out it's like 156 now. Yeah. So, pretty incredible. And it's to, uh,
12: like, talk about FSD, I think Tesla's missing an opportunity to, to not doing highway travel, like Tampa to Orlando, I-4 only highway routes for robotaxis.
15: I think they're trying to solve the whole fish. When there's, there's a business case right now for the...
0: Yeah so okay I'm just going to move forward cuz we've been on almost 2 hours so uh Gary you're up or Jerry Jerry Gary <laughs> going once going twice Gary going three times nope all right Phil you're up
15: Okay Hey, thanks. Um, Yeah, it's just surprising that uh, record blowout on earnings, on margins, on deliveries, yet a lot of conversation about how Elon disrespects the analyst. It's kind of of confusing, but I guess they have a certain protocol that you have to adhere to. So maybe next time somebody can suck up to the analyst a little better. Uh, But my comment is the one thing that stuck out today was there was no concern about battery supply. No concern. If anything, it was chip shortage. And so that tells me two years ago at Battery Day, they've been shoring up all that supply. And what is Mary going to do with two plants without batteries? I mean, there's going to be a huge valley of death where Tesla just rockets and the competitors can't do it because they don't have the battery supply.
3: Yeah. In short, they executed on their Battery Day plan. And when you look at the lithium iron phosphate that's now the majority of their production for the year, I think probably around 60% is going to be LFP from CATL. And you look at now 100 gigawatt hours of 4680 cell capacity probably coming online this year. It's a dramatically different situation than they were in a few years ago. And that's why they're going to continue to outsell everybody. I can tell you it's not even about who has the coolest vehicle, which they do. But they can just produce more EVs than anyone, even the biggest car companies in the world.
15: Yeah, exactly. And uh, Omar, dude, you know what FSD is, right? I mean, you—I know you're holding back, but I see your videos, and you're every time you're just like jazzed about it. So uh, FSD is going to be pretty killer, and it will be uh, duped up. It'll be permanent.
3: Yeah, I think that. It's really kind of hard for people to understand, but I've been using it for, you know, I guess 14, 15 months now. And I think that it is completely going to change the way that we use cars. And we're at the very early stages of the rollout where there's 60,000 people using it. And that's the biggest it's ever been. But what you're going to see, and I can tell you for sure, is that millions of people will be using this in the coming years, millions. And people are going to be shocked by how fast the technology rolls out.
0: Yeah, I got to say, I was uh, uh, with the batteries, I was a bit shocked by the statement that, you know, even without 4680s, they don't have a a battery issue for this year. Uh, I, I was thinking that there was still some shortages, but yeah, they shored up like suppliers and they're all good and 4680 is just like icing on the cake and it's going to look good. He
3: changed everything
0: yeah yeah it did it did especially in shanghai those um, those prismatic batteries and that 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 battery pack that they're building now over there is like yeah it's pretty amazing D- did you pick up is
3: really about is how do we make a high range vehicle for a low price whereas before a 500-mile vehicle was not economical. No one would pay that much for a vehicle. Now they can actually make a 400, 500-mile range vehicle that's a Model Y or a Model S, and they can sell it for a reasonable price. Did you pick up
15: when he said a 4680 will not be iron?
0: Yep. Yeah, and and, and, and of course it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to put it through that process if you can get it so cheaply uh, in the other process and the other form factor. So, yeah, because you, you got to know that because um, iron is so much from its chemistry, it's safer. Uh, you, you don't need to actually like encase it in a, in a cylindrical cell and space them out and so on and so forth. You can just like stack them in, in prisms, like, like boxes and basically stack them. So you get better volumetric uh, uh, energy density. Uh, and because it's safer, there's no risk of a thermal runway uh, in the pack. So yeah, it, they're just going to keep the 4680s for the high nickel contents, which are, I don't want to, they're not like more dangerous. There's just more, of, it's more of a volatile mix that needs extra safety measures that the can, the cylindrical can, can provide.
15: Yeah. Uh, one last one. Uh, Omar, do you think they'll announce uh, Berlin and Austin production at the same time just to let Berlin save face because they're six months behind?
3: Well, I don't think they're going to hold up on anything. Berlin will really be determined by when they get the permits. When me and Gary... Um, Went and had dinner with Martin Viecha a couple of months ago and they asked about Berlin and Austin. Martin said that we have a situation where one factory is more ready for manufacturing Berlin, but doesn't have the paperwork. And one factory has all the paperwork, all the regulatory approval it needs. The government's very friendly there, but... They're a little bit behind on the manufacturing readiness, so I wouldn't be surprised, depending on how the permitting goes, if Austin actually started product, uh, you know, actual customer deliveries first. But it's honestly a toss-up at this point, and uh, we'll see how it goes.
0: Okay, thanks a lot, Phil. Taking next, uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, you're up. Quick question. Oh, hey there.
10: Yeah. Hey, thanks. Uh, hey, Alex. Thank you for clarifying, like the twenty-five K car answer. That was very helpful for me. Of like, why, why, why do that car when the demand in the forty to sixty thousand dollars segment hasn't been fulfilled? I, for me, that was a really big unanswered question coming off the call. I wish they would have used your answer um, over the one that wasn't given. Um, so I think that filled in a big blank for me Um, and then you know can they meet 23 and 24 volume expectations without you know that car and 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 the fact that you know they do have projections on the y to be the highest selling car by unit volume over the next call it 18 months to two years probably answers that question um but i think it's just something i think that's you know i think that was one of the things that kind of started turning a little bit south um you know, on the call when when that came up, and then just um, I guess my question was just on like just switching gears and similar on that vein, like the momentum was going really good, especially when we said, hey, we're going to do comfortably higher um, than the fifty percent growth, which is unbelievable. Uh, but then then when it's like, hey, no Cybertruck, no semi, the only I I think it's a, I think we I think they needed to take one more step. On those products, whether it was, hey, we're going to be going into, you know, just one step, you know, further than just to not really give a meaningful update. I think that's, I think it's a little bit of a problem. Well, um, I I, I think you need
0: to, uh, and again, it's, I don't want to use read between the lines because it's not read between the lines. They're saying they're going to comfortably surpass the 50% growth this year. And if there's no Cybertruck. And the semi is not in the mix, then it only le- leaves SX, Y, and three. And the ramping, we know that the initial model that's being going to be produced a- out of uh, Shanghai, uh, out of Berlin, and Austin is the Model Y. So I think the answer is right there in everybody's face. And when we're talking about ramping, like. Sawyer might be able to fill this in, but uh, I don't know, like how many orders are already in for Cybertruck reservations. And even if, let's say, fifty percent of those only like convert to an actual delivery, like there's enough for growth, like right there. There's about one point three million. So That's right. one point three. So you're talking about seven hundred thousand Cybertrucks at a fifty percent co- conversion. About to, to you need to deliver. Yeah, yeah,
10: I think they would have That's almost gotten, like all
0: of the, this yeah. year's like
10: production yeah, yeah, just yeah. for Cybertruck. Yeah, no point taken. I think they would have got they would be getting street credit and credibility, you know, if they were to do some smaller launches of these devices and actually they could be getting of these products and they could be getting real quality feedback before they do the broader ramp in multiple factories. I think that just had a different approach to launch. If you look at what Rivian's doing, you look at what F-150 will probably do, they're going to be constrained on volume for the first, call it three to 12 months, but they're going to be getting a lot of really good quality information before their supply chains could scale. So anyway, that's just one thing I think they could reconsider on those products to get, you know, get the excitement out there, get more street credibility. And then finally, I just think, I think Elon was just painting the vision of like Tesla is shipping autonomy and they're going to ship it. And with, you know, products that have wheels and they're going to ship it with, you know, Optimus that, you know, has legs and arms and does labor. So it's it's labor and it's transportation and they're solving for that through autonomy. And I think that's what that's his vision for the company. And I think it's going to you know, he's got to get other people there to kind of see that. But That's right. I see it going.
0: Thanks. That's all yeah, I, I just have. want to add a little comment to what you just said. Um, like when you're talking about uh, F-150 Lightning and, and so on and so forth, like Tesla has been getting a lot of experience at ramping first new models, but also new factories. So for them, I don't think like there's much like growing pains into like ramping up a line. The problem is if, if you're doing a line, you want to do it like for like 250K, like right off the bat to be able to reach that at least in the first year. There's no point in doing like 20K or 30K. This will bust out your margins if you do that. So I I think what they're trying to do now is like, yeah, they're delaying Cybertruck till next year or and I'm pretty sure we're gonna see some models, like finished models, by the end of 2022. They're just not maybe not gonna start like customer deliveries. But I I, I think that you wanna ramp as fast as possible. And build the line that can handle that volume right off the bat. There's no point in, you know, delivering, I don't know, like 20, 30k cyber trucks in 2022, because this will hurt your margin and hurt Tesla overall and dilute your efforts. Like you said, this year is like a growth year and there's so much demand out there for all the other models we're going to be like delivering those and not diluting our efforts on other models and by that when you do that you also like dilute your margins and i think that's no, it's no good
10: it's true i think there was something unwritten there which was 2022 is going to ramp these two new factories with high volume product that exists today to get the cost to get those factories fully loaded and get their cost structure down It would have been a totally broken model to put a new product like Cybertruck in a not fully ramped factory like Austin. You would have had double breakage on your cost model.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Jeffrey. And okay, so I see we have two Joes, but one was already there. So I'm just going to skip you now. First, Joe, and go to the second Joe for fairness. So second, Joe, you're up. Oh, no, it's not Joe. It's AK. Sorry, why was I reading Joe? AK, you're up.
10: Hey everyone. Um, I was hoping Gary was still here when I asked, but it looks like he's gone now. Um, I know you said that he thinks that um, different companies will have different versions of their own FSD, uh, but I'm not sure how if I believe that per se. But um, what do we think about, I guess, licensing opportunities with, um, you know, Tesla licensing to? Um, other OEMs, do you think it's just like a matter of time until FSD is, or or until Tesla is happy with um, how FSD is going, or do we think that's, or that other OEMs are too too proud to even license FSD? Sorry, I just got done working out, so a little bit out of breath.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's a great question. I think that the licensing will start to become pretty serious business at the point where Consumers are not buying legacy auto cars because they don't have FSD. And at that point, they'll be forced to try and cover their bases there. They're already starting to do that, announcing projects with Mobileye and NVIDIA and stuff like that. And they've got some pretty pretty impressive stuff themselves, but it really comes down to consumers demanding full autonomy, full drives, and expecting that as their new uh, bar, their new standard. And at that point, they'll have to license it from someone. And Tesla will probably be one of the only people who can support
0: I actually, yeah, I I was just going to add to that. Uh, I totally agree with Omar says, but I think uh, Legacy Auto, especially Ford and GM are too dumb and too proud to ever take Tesla uh, and license their uh, FSD and that's it's basically they they're going to sink themselves by being too proud and too stupid to, to do it and if if it turns out that mobile can't deliver on the same level as tesla well it's just going to be one more nail in to, in their coffin yeah that's
10: that's a bit unfortunate um my, my next question is i guess which OEM would be the, i guess
0: uh um, or the not sure I caught that. Which OEM is what? Which o- OEM would we consider to be number 10 in terms of their autopilot or FSC capabilities? Well, if any. <laughs> no, I, none of them are actually doing it. So I, I guess, what do you think, Omar? Like, Mobileye is second?
3: Maybe. It's hard to know at this point. They're definitely kind of barking up the right tree. In some ways. So I think they have a good shot. Um, it's hard to really know for sure at this point. Like they haven't really shipped anything. They've talked a lot. They've published a lot of YouTube videos. But all they've shipped is really you're basically keeping that they've always been shipping. So the proof is in the pudding, right? It's like Karpathy's tweet last night. Everybody gangsta until you're shipping real code to real users in production. Yeah. It's a huge difference to actually have something real and to be talking about doing something in the future. So Tesla has a lot of real stuff they're doing. Like
0: if you think about who Tesla's OG. Is, They've been doing it from day one, putting the hardware, putting the software and like beta testing, like they're OG.
3: Yeah. And you, if you think about really, okay, what is needed to build a ubiquitous robo-taxi service. What does that mean? That means that anywhere in the United States, I can open my Tesla app, and I can say I need a ride over there, and I can pay just a few dollars, and a car will come, and it'll come within minutes, not five minutes, one or two or three minutes most of the time if I'm in a, a major metropolitan area. And it'll take me and the cost will be, you know, 18 cents a mile of what it costs to drive it. So maybe the price I'll pay will be some multiple of that depending on market prices. But it'll be just extremely, extremely cheap, much more so than it would be to get a uh, driver's license and insurance and all of those different things you need, tires and car payments. And then you got to pay interest on the loan and all that stuff, it's gonna be dramatically more affordable. And uh, I think that's really
0: the key here. Awesome. All right, Uh, okay, so going
11: to the Joe. You're up, Joe. Hey guys, I I just love talking to you guys so much. (laughs) Um, My question is around Dogecoin. Um, why do you think they uh, started to, you know, some of the products on, on their shop, like, what, why do you think they did that? Do you think they did that just to, you know, be fun, keep things interesting or, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that's why they did it and I think it's great. Um, do you think that, is that the sole reason you think?
3: It's just funny. It's stupid. Why would a company do that? Um, you know, it just creates buzz. People write about it. People want to go and buy that merch item because you have to pay in doggy coin. And, you know, it's just, uh, Tesla, right? That's what they do. They would do weird stuff like that. So that's, that's why we love it. Like. <laughs> All right. Thanks guys.
1: My heart goes out to all the people that bought the twenty-five dollar Dogecoin mug at Tesla store, and now it's worth nineteen dollars. <laughs>
0: Tragic. <laughs> okay, uh, John, you're up.
7: Yeah, hi. We've covered a lot of ground um, across a lot of topics, and I just love to get some quick feedback from the speakers about what you've taken away collectively from the call and and the discussion uh, afterwards. Of what do you think was the most important
10: thing? You think you Glean from the call and, and maybe also maybe the most interesting thing, which could be the same or could be different. So I'm just curious. Thanks.
0: Well, we covered so much during the call. I don't know when you popped in, but uh, yeah, for me, I, I think that was like the four points, uh, 4680 is doing real good, but they have the the battery capacity outside of 4680 to meet their production needs for 2022 Uh comfortable, uh, 50% growth this year, Uh, supply chain getting better. There was the FSD hammering down that this will be transformative. Um, and Optimus, of course, uh, that, you know, uh, I, I wasn't expecting to hear anything, uh, even mention Optimus at this earnings call as being like there's actual engineering going into it like right now and it's a priority uh, over, let's say, the 25K car. And so, yeah, so I still have to, like, digest everything. But these were my, like, main takeaways from from this. And that demand for Model Y is, like, through the roof. And that they they can comfortably fill that demand uh, in the coming years and maintain their over 50% year-over-year. Yeah, I don't know
1: if some people saw this, but, like, the base Model Y estimated delivery date in the U.S. is now December of this year. It was November before I think that changed in the last few hours. So it's like that model is almost completely sold out for 2022 and we're only in January. (laughs) But I think the biggest takeaway, like for me was the 60,000 FSD beta users. Like that's huge. And I think that really speaks to Tesla's confidence in the system and it's incredible progress. And I'm really curious to see what, how many users there are going to be by the middle of this.
3: Right. That's a great point. I wouldn't, be surprised to see it at 120,000, 240,000 really quick. But I think for me, the biggest takeaway was really this is a financial turning point for the company. And as investors, we've been invested in something where for a long time we said, you know, I'm owning this stock because I love the product, I love the Model 3. And a lot of people said, this company is a terrible company. They are heavily indebted, they have never made money, they're actually burning billions of dollars, okay? And there's no evidence people even want electric vehicles. And their products are just terrible, right? All this stuff, this is a terrible company, terrible investment, terrible products. They've got no demand, no chance of success in the market. And it's going to go bankrupt, right? So this was the narrative. And today, it's a very different situation. Everyone has accepted that the entire industry is going to go electric. Tesla is profitable. In fact, they're massively profitable. They're generating billions of dollars in profits a year. They generated over $5 billion in gap net income this year. And They had $3 billion almost in free cash flow this quarter. So this business has turned a turning point where now where you look across the entire history, it's now generated more profit than everything that was invested into the business over its entire history. It is profitable and the company has shifted to us investors saying, yes, it's a Not a good business today. Yes, they're burning billions of dollars in a single quarter is how bad it used to be. And they've gone from that to now earning billions of dollars every quarter. And this is just the beginning, right? They have the capacity to get to their stage of goal of 50%, 1 million to 1.5 million, just with Fremont and Shanghai. People are throwing out numbers like 2 million. As possible, And they're already at a 1.25 million run rate. They're putting 4680 into production. They're putting the LFP stuff into production. They're putting the FSD out. Like, this is a financial turning point, basically. And really what they said today was, we're going to disappoint the fans and say no new products, but we're going to do it. For the company. Like, this is a big boy business now. And we're going to focus on just ramping up this cash machine that we have as much as possible and just producing as many units as possible and having great margins, 30% and above if possible, and just nailing that with as much production as possible. And we're going to make this a financial success because ultimately, with our valuation, we have really big shoes to fill. And we need to fill those shoes by having a massively profitable business. And that's basically what they said today is like, we're going to commit to doing that. We're going to have this be a business that is, you know, successful, profitable here for the long term. And more than anything, just ramps up production to insane levels and forces the industry to move much faster than they would have if Tesla wasn't there. And they're going to be around to stay with the plan they announced today?
6: I was going to say, but I think, I mean, to add what Omar was saying, that's what I was thinking earlier, but production, I I think being solid in it and delivering the products that they already had promised and they're delivering and that are coming on right now, ramping up Giga Berlin, ramping up Giga Texas, ramping up um, delivery of the Model Ys and everything else, the batteries, um, and and not overextending themselves in still... uh, kind of pandemic recession kind of like Elon thinks it might be kind of situation where he's stating that 10,000 different pieces go into one product and he doesn't want to find like there's there's an area where they're, they are they're backordered and they can't get a product as they're trying to deliver new products so staying steady in what they're delivering right now and not promising things that make it problematic if if the economy goes haywire
7: Well, thank you, appreciate it again. I, I know we covered tons of ground uh on the call and listening to you guys for uh past uh hour and a half plus. So, appreciate all the uh, summarization and your insights.
0: Thanks a lot, John. Uh next is Vishal. Hope I'm pronouncing this correctly.
16: Hey guys, how are you? Uh, it's nice listen, listening to all of you. Um I had Few questions. Um, I guess I forgot some of them. Um, but uh, f- uh, first question is like, uh, do you think uh, Tesla will honor the seven thousand dollar FSD price which we locked in when we ordered the pre ordered the Cybertruck?
1: Ooh, <laughs> that's a that's a tough question. You know, on, on the actual ordering page back when that was available. $7,000 price it said you know order now to lock the price in but then yeah. after that it went away so <laughs> you have to assume Tesla will honor that but you know with inflation and in like three years later I don't know it's tough to say
16: yeah I hope they do <laughs> um and let's see um do you think there'll be a stock split this year they didn't nobody asked that question I think <laughs> right you know,
1: I think Tesla will start to reconsider a stock split potentially, you know, around the thirteen to $1,500 level. That's just my opinion. The last stock split was announced at uh, about 1374 a share. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it ran up about 83% in the 14 trading days afterwards. But, you know, people, I think, you know, Omar and I were speaking about this earlier today. You know, we shouldn't expect, I think a lot of people want another stock split because they expect the same amount or same performance out of the stock after a split is announced when we really shouldn't like this, you know, we're at a trillion dollar market cap now before Tesla was under a hundred billion. I think it was that. Um, So we, we really shouldn't expect anything crazy.
16: Right. And one more thing, maybe Omar can answer, Uh, like Elon said on today's call that uh, he expects FSD to be feature complete like this year, like level four. But what about like all the edge cases, like some weird stuff happening? Like when there's a robotaxi, taxi, there's no driver in it, right? I'm assuming like it'll be, it'll come pick me up and take me to wherever I want to go. What if there's some weird stuff happening on the road? Like I saw one of Hyperchains video. There was like a UPS truck parked uh, uh like backwards and the car couldn't tell. It's like so many like weird stuff happening, edge cases. Do you think they'll be able to perfect out all the things and figure out all the edge cases before it's deployed? And, and it's happening this year. Well,
3: <laughs> you know, every year Elon says that they're <laughs> going to solve autonomy. And that's the goal they have for the team. They want to solve autonomy and they'll solve autonomy, whatever it takes. But this should not be taken as a guarantee that they're going to solve autonomy this year. He says it every year. So if he solves autonomy this year, it'll be great. But frankly, it doesn't matter whether he solves autonomy or not, right? So they're making improvements. Don't go based off Elon's quotes, which mean nothing, right? Go based off looking at the software. Go try it yourself, in your area, and see the rate of improvement for yourself. And you'll see that it's getting better. And you can argue about how much longer will it take, but it keeps getting better faster and faster. And as they put out improvements, you'll see, you know, you cut down one problem, and that may have been multiple interventions in a drive before that now go away every time you do the drive. So as you cut down on these things and you focus on the biggest problems first, you'll be amazed at, how quick they'll be able to improve things and how many things you can do to, you know, quote unquote, cheat to get the system to improve a lot better. Like, for example, what Cruise is doing, where they're just having their service operate at night when there's no traffic from like 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. That's like one way you can cheat. There's a lot of ways you can cheat. You can block off areas that you know don't work. You can have the car take a longer route, because you know it's more likely to be disengagement-free. You can drive it, you know, only up to 30 miles an hour. So I think we'll be surprised. But in all likelihood, do I expect there to be robo-taxis before the end of this year? No, I would not be surprised. As, as a matter of fact, I expect there to not be any robo-taxis. Do I think it's possible? Yeah, I would assign maybe, you know, 3% chance that they're able to pull that off somehow. It would be a miracle. But I think they're making serious progress. And I think they're going to convert a lot of people to attaching an FSD with their car when they see what the software can do today already in its imperfect state. And they're going to sell a lot of FSD subscriptions. And down the road when they do per mile or pay-per-use pricing, they're going to sell a lot of that too because what they have is very compelling. So they're not going to solve autonomy, but the software is going to get so good. Like today, I already get in my car and it drives me around. And, okay, I want to go get dinner. Take me to this restaurant and it drives me all the way there. No takeover. Through San Francisco, which is like a shit show. Hills, people running into the street, all this stuff, and it handles all of it before it's even been released as a driver assistance system, this beta drives me all the way to restaurant, and then all the way back, zero takeovers, right? So, okay, where are they a year from now, two years from now? It's going to be extremely good. Like, by the end of this year, I don't know if it'll be truly driverless, but what I expect is that it will work most of the time. Like, most drives there won't be a takeover. And I think that's going to be very compelling for people, even though it may not be truly autonomous. And I believe that you'll basically be able to get out, summon your car in a parking lot. It pulls out of its parking spot, driverlessly comes to you, you get in the car. It pulls out of the parking lot itself, drives all the way to the destination, pulls into the parking lot there. You get out of the car. It goes and finds a parking spot and parks. That whole thing, I think, will be automated by the end of the year, and it'll be out of safety score. It'll be released, and people will pay money for it. So really the question of when they achieve autonomy is not really all that relevant to the financial picture. They're going to sell what they have really well. And when it's actually good enough to be driverless, we'll know because we'll have been using it for a long time. And that will obviously be a massive inflection point. But at, it, it's kind of like an increasing function. As it gets better, it just provides more and more value on an exponential basis. And when it's driverless, it just takes off.
16: I know. I mean, I'm a, I am got the FSD beta too, and I've been testing it, and I love it. But I see your videos, and it's amazing how much you trust the car to do through go like drive it around pedestrians and everything in San Francisco, I'm too afraid. Like if there's too many people of there or there's cars behind me, I just take over. Like, uh, but I see the improvement happening like with every release and before it couldn't even make a simple, like a left turn, Uh, not even a turn. It was like a curve. And uh, now with the new uh, software, I it does, like take the turn very easily so I'm just excited for the future like what's going to happen next year and uh, next year after that so hopefully <laughs> one day thanks a lot Michelle uh, taking thank last you. caller thank
0: you oh so I didn't make it up there was another Joe <laughs> I thought I had dreamed him up Joe you're up Joe come on my microphone, here we go. There we go. Now, uh, this is my first
14: time using the app, and I see there's a stupid little microphone icon in the bottom right corner that you have to tap. I was looking for it, so not the best app. It should just come on automatically. But great. We,
1: we completely agree.
14: Yeah, <laughs> okay, <laughs> horrible. Cool. Hey, I've been following all you guys. You guys are great. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Tesla Super Bowl. Um, I invested in Apple at the IPO, which kind of gives away my age. So I've literally sold all my Apple shares and moved into Tesla. Um, huge position by any stretch of the imagination and um i am incredibly bullish um i i have fsd beta i have a, an ms plaid best car i've ever driven i've got a ferrari f12 berlinetta i don't even want to drive anymore this car just blows away handles great track package is amazing the fact that tesla produced the best sports car ever already is is, is incredible um i could just go on and on but i just want to copy i know we're getting late here i could go, probably go on for 20 minutes and probably be the pr person for tesla as you all probably could. I agree 100%, you know, that that FSD is not going to be, we're not going to have level four FSD this year. I will bet any amount of money on that. But I will also tell you if Shanghai and Berlin burn down tomorrow, I would still buy the stock at this price level. Uh, Austin is going to be incredible. It's an incredible development uh, place for them. They can expand there. They've got tons of room to add factory space there. Even if again, even if Shanghai and Berlin were disappeared tomorrow, I would buy Tesla at nine fifty thousand, whatever per share. Everything I could into it. Um, level four, I think, is not going to come out this year. But think about this kind of notion. Are you Let's calling say, Elon a liar? I'm sorry. Are you calling Elon a liar? No, he just <laughs> he. he He's so smart. The problem seems so too simple to him. That's the problem. You know, he's yeah. So but we, we will definitely get there. I think he truly believes it. He truly believes it. But um, so let's just say, you know, that these meteorites were falling out of the sky and were killing 40,000 people in the U.S. alone a year and injuring another severely injuring another four million per year. And there's this little app you can install on your iPhone. And for five dollars a month, it, not, it gave you a ninety-nine percent chance of that not happening to you at any given time. I would be buying that, right? I might spend twenty dollars a month. I might spend fifty dollars a month. What if it also reduced your insurance costs? Because hey, you're, you're less less chance of getting hit by an asteroid. I think that's what level level three autopilot is going to come out this year. Autopilot will give you what just when you buy uh, autopilot says city streets coming. So it's going to work on city streets. It's not going to work everywhere. It's not going to work in my neighborhood. It can't even see the streets in my neighborhood. I'm just in a neighborhood in South Carolina, suburban neighborhood. It can't even see the roads because they're not marked. It's just the asphalt stops and then there's dirt or grass or pine straw. You know, it can't see them. It can't make the turns. So that's a bigger problem to solve, I think. But it will work wonderfully well on city streets where do most accidents happen on city streets. So you get you get FSD. I mean, you get autopilot with the city streets on it coming out. I would think it's probably third quarter this year. They'll start selling it. And but then if you have Tesla insurance, your insurance goes down. So it becomes and I love the idea. Someone talked about it being, you know, you can up uh, uh, on a pay per mile basis. So you don't have to spend $200 a month, which is what I do. I prefer that. I think it's a better option. But you just, hey, I'm driving now and I'm going to be a little bit preoccupied. I want this thing to drive for me. And it's not going to be $0.20 cents a mile because I've got Tesla insurance. It's only going to be $0.10 cents a mile because I'm saving on my risk of being in an accident and, and, and the actuarial cost to, to Tesla for the insurance. I think people are missing that. I think that's going to be a gigantic piece of the success story, that alone. Tesla Bot, by the way, and it's just one quick comment on TeslaBot. Much more complex problem. A car has three outputs from the neural network. You've got steering, which can move left or right, two degrees of freedom. Brakes, two degrees of freedom, up and down. Gas, uh, accelerator, I almost said gas pedal, two degrees of freedom, up or down. Your your, your arm, just one arm of, of, of Tesla Bot. You know, just look at the wrist. You've got two degrees of freedom at the wrist. Actually, f- six degrees of freedom at the wrist. Uh, multiple joints there. It's just one limb of, a, of an autonomous uh, Yeah, but it operates robot.
0: in an environment that's much more friendly. So lots more degrees of freedom and movement and in complexity of movement, but you have, it's a much more controlled environment. If you're thinking mm, about a think Tesla that. bot on the factory line, you mm-hmm. know, it knows what to expect, what's coming. It's There's no like crazy driver coming in from the left, oh, on oh, the blind great. side. And you have yeah. to like.
14: Yeah, I agree. For the first use, yeah. But long term, you want to be able to work anywhere, walk around in your house
0: and, and do your chores. I mean, that's where. that's. Where oh, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. It. But yeah. The first iterations, I'm definitely seeing them on the assembly right. line. And right. not like just like walking around and, you know, right. going to walk your dog and going grocery shopping for you and stuff like that. That's down down the road.
14: Right. But I still think it's much more complex. I think it's much more complex on the output side in working in a 3D world, whereas the the, uh, the car really is working only on a single plane. It's just in a 2D world, essentially. And so you've got a 3D world. I, I think it's much more complex, even at the simplest level, in my opinion, um, not the safety issues, of course. But I think, I believe that Dojo is for is for Tesla bot. We don't need Dojo for, for autonomous driving at all. I agree if all the hardware is adequate to do it. But I think, I believe, and they didn't say it, but I believe they, they realized they need for, for Tesla bot to actually work in the real world as, as someone that would be maybe going into nursing homes and delivering food trays and those sorts of things. Um, I, I think that's a much, much harder problem. May, many orders of magnitude harder. So... But that's I mean, I can go on and on and and talk forever, but I'm extremely bullish. Um, You know, I'm not concerned about 60K car with with autonomous driving. Um, I think Tesla will be licensing FSD to other manufacturers in three to four years. Um, You know, imagine if Steve Jobs had all the tools that Elon Musk has available to him in terms of the AI space. Just think think about that. I mean, I was buying. I was buying Apple stock when, when you know, it was down to four dollars a share. People were dismissing them, and Steve Jobs came back. But the, you know, the the core is there, and the biggest risk to Tesla right now, the I mean, the only risk I believe is uh, is Elon's is, is health and well-being, and that's the. I think that's it. If something happens to him, I am selling the stock. I mean, I don't care what. I'm 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 going to be moving out of it immediately. But if he's as long as he's alive and running the company, this is. This is a, this is why
0: we're asking Elon Jett to like stop tweeting his absolutely. That's
14: ridiculous. Go. That is ridiculous that that even exists, and that's really sad that young man didn't acquiesce. It's just it's it's sad. It's a sad sad commentary on our times that anybody would do something like that. But um, I, I'm i with all of you. Um, I'm super long Tesla. Uh, I think anyone that's got a five year investment horizon can safely put half their portfolio. I don't give investment advice, but you can safely put half your portfolio into Tesla.
0: Well, thanks a lot, Joe. Ha- happy to have you here. And what do you say, Omar? Is it time to shut this down? Can I just add one thing before we yeah. close out? Is, um,
1: you, know, you know, Gary has said, you know, um, Tony Sakanagi is, you know, is a great analyst and he is. He's been a great analyst for, for Apple. He has, he has a 72% success rate. But he's not so good with Tesla. He has a 10% success rate on Tesla stock. He has a sell rating and a $300 price target. So while he may understand Apple, I don't think he understands Tesla. That's all.
3: (laughs) All right, you guys free to go for another two and a half hours or you got something to do?
1: (laughs) Just replay the whole earnings call
3: through your phone. All right, guys. Well, thanks everybody for coming and hanging out and uh, answering your questions. So. Yeah, we'll see you around.
0: All right, take care, guys.
8: Bye.